Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yes, the game is always on right here at THS. Welcome to That Hockey Show, everybody. It's Thursday, January 27th. The year is 2022, and we are halfway through the NHL 2021-22 campaign. And there's all kinds of stuff going on, and we're always going to talk about it right here on That Hockey Show. I want to thank you guys every week for tuning in, subscribing, and following us everywhere at That Hockey Show. And as always, I will uh, be bringing in my line mates uh, this this Thursday, as I always do. You know, we always go out to Chicago and and talk to Tab. And our buddy Steve has moved down to Texas. Uh, That's why we didn't have him here last week. He's still in transition. But you know what? We're going to make it work. But guess what, folks? We're going to do something completely different here at THS here this week. Instead of me rolling out stats and scores uh, that you already know, I'm going to bring my buddy, Mr. Joe Yarden, right into the face-off circle now. And guess what? We're going to head right up to the great city of Buffalo. Yeah, that's right. Buffalo, New York. Just a little north of where I am here down on Long Island. And let's talk some puck with the great Joe Yard. What's up, buddy? Paulie, it's nice to be back. Woo-hoo! It's a nice, war- it's a nice warm home because it's freaking freezing up here. Buddy, are you, um, do you have snow on the ground there yet? Because they're talking about us, they, that we should get on, like, space shuttles now and get out of here down here on Long Island. And we-, we got we got almost two feet on the ground here on, on Martin Luther King Day. So we got we got plenty of snow, let me tell you. We don't need any more. Like, one of the things, Buffalo. what's Buffalo known for? Wings and snow. And the city can only do one of those things well. I'll let you guess which one it is. <laughs> and it must be even extra tougher there this this week with the uh, the bills being officially eliminated. I've, from, uh, I've not seen the city this bummed out before ever. Like, I mean, up close and personal. I mean, I was I was a kid when the, the Super Bowl, the string of Super Bowl losses happened, but... Um, but like, this is, this is a different level. It's weird because everybody's bummed out, but also kind of really feeling hopeful because Allen looks like a monster now. And, uh, but, but Kansas city, I, I said it on a different podcast this week. I said to be the man, you got to beat the man. And if you don't beat Kansas city and you ain't the man. So, but overtime. what a way to lose. Holy yeah, crap. Man. What a way. <laughs> what overtime a rules are not, man. You you have oh, to man. play defense and jeez. But that's uh look, that's another that's another that's story for the show. show. But uh <laughs> tip of the hat to the NFL though this weekend. They were all phenomenal <laughs> games. All of them unbelievable. Were that's what that's what you need. That's what you want. Hopefully the championship games live up to it. That'd be nice. And the Super Bowl, hey, a close Super Bowl would be fun too. Yeah, we'll see, man. We got a good mix in there, man. So sorry, uh, sorry for the football talk, everybody. No, I, I know. Hey, look, we got to drop the puck. We got to not spike the ball. We do it all here, Joe. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. We live in these football cities, so it's 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 part of our lives, you know. I mean, hockey they, season, they, football season they, intertwines. They still play football down there. Not Jets and no, Giants. Not, actually, uh, usually past December thirty first. No, there isn't any football here anymore. <laughs> It's okay in Detroit. The college it's over, bowls it's over by October. Yeah, so that's it. A couple of college bowls. 
national championship, and then it's, you know, who's fired, who's getting hired, all that stuff. But right. look, buddy, we are um, we're with you here today. We're, I'm going to find out what Aaron Dell has with Drake uh, Batherson. I, I don't know what his problem is here with him. I, I mean, I don't know what Drake ever did to him. Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, uh, the five nut their savers trashing. Um, but I, I'm sure, and I, you know, I always want to start this way now with uh, you know your new podcast, Maintenance Day. Mm-hmm. Um, is is that uh, something you guys uh, fired up yet, or when are you when are you guys releasing that again? Oh, it's uh, we do every Monday. We've been, every Monday, uh, okay. I think we're what six, seven episodes deep. I think already. I think we started right, right before New Year's, right at New Year's. So we're we're doing. Oh, it's got to be before New Year's we started. If we got six episodes, I I can count. I can count really well, Paulie. I That's I do okay. maths. Okay. Um, I'm yeah, sorry, no, Joe, but a, you've been turned down for the Canucks GM job. I'm sorry. Dang it, because your well, numbers. Uh, <laughs> well, you to, know, listen, give it I, to I Patrick Al- Alvin, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, we only do a weekly show because, you know, cause, uh, my co-host Lance Lasowski is, uh, one of the beat guys for the Buffalo news and, um, we, he's busy. <laughs> he's got a lot of stuff to do. I just get to sit, sit on my couch and, and throw darts from it. So that that's actually really comfortable for me, but, um, what's on your dartboard yeah, these days, a picture of who <laughs> <laughs> listen, that is, that is personal. I'll put that, I will put that up on noted hockey at, at, a, at a future time point. Who's on my, who's on Joe's dartboard. Uh, I love hate? it. See, there you go, man. I just gave you a little bit of segment there. There you go, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, like Lance is on the road with the team this week. Like he's going to, he's going to be in Arizona and Colorado and Vegas this week, which I don't think Jack Eichel is going to be playing this time around. So I guess we'll have to save his Buffalo. Well, more important, Joe, does, the Buffalo in March. Does he, so, does he yeah. bring anything back for you from the city airports? He brings me lots of information, which oh, is okay. what I. That's what I need. I don't need. I don't need souvenirs. I don't need a. I don't need a Bellagio fountain airport souvenir or something like that. I just. I don't. I don't have room for that. <laughs> Comes back and like throws the Bellagio out in front of my apartment building. Here you go. Enjoy. <laughs> Dude, it's 12 degrees out. I can't use this. It was a great scene in, uh, what was it? Um, oh, my God. De Niro and Billy Crystal when he was the gangster getting therapy. Oh. And he gets in the fountain yeah. and puts it in his front yard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Analy- analyze this. Analyze, analyze this. That. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I am the consigliere. Mr. <laughs> 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 <It was> DeVito. <laughs> a classic. Uh, all right, so no to hockey, still rocking and rolling. Maintenance Day will be on on Mondays for all these Sabres talk. We'll touch on the Sabres just a little bit here at the end. What I want to do with you today, jo- uh, Joey, is just um, we've got there's a couple of things that have been going on, so I want to get your take on a couple of things. Obviously, I want to mm-hmm. start with uh, Clark Gillies passing away. Uh, shot oh, the other man. night. Um, just, uh, you know, it's not it's weird today. I mean, you, you, who are we to know when and how somebody's going to pass away or what? But, um, you know, usually, hey, you know, Clark is such a, a big part of the franchise. There was nothing about it. Nobody knew he was sick, you know, so they kept that really mm-hmm. tight personally. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a kid from Long Island. I'm a diehard Rangers fan, but I grew up, you know, with that team. I had the pleasure of meeting Clark Gillies. I was on a podcast with him with uh, Butchie Gorn. Uh, when I was doing Butchie's podcast years ago, Clark would actually do a few shows. We would call in. Um, mm-hmm. All those guys from the Dynasty teams, you know, Clark is a household name here out in Long Island, obviously in New York. And, um, you know, you know, I know so many people have met him, have great relationships with him. And he's a great um, ambassador for the team here. He stayed here on Long Island through all these years and everything else. But um, I loved and respected the guy, even though he broke my heart as a kid with that team. But anyway, Joe, throw this back to you. When you hear the name Clark Gillies, what does it mean to you? I I think of him as a as a heart and soul guy of those Isles teams. Um, 
back in the day because he was just such a he was such a tough player and he like kind of a little bit of rambunctious player but man he was he was tough as nails and he was a damn good player like he you know that day, back in that day you know early 80s you know coming out of the 70s into the 80s you needed to have you needed to have an edge to go along with being able to 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 be able to score goals and 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 set guys up but you had to be you had to have your head in a swivel at all times and Clark Gillies was the guy that you had your you had to be on the lookout for because if you got on the wrong side of the aisles you Clark was going to come and and have a word with you and it wasn't so much like the fisticuff stuff it was just that he was just such a physical powerhouse out there like he was just such a dominant guy in that in that respect and he was he provided that sort of um ability for those teams because you know you had you know you got you know you got bossy you've got you got all these other guys where it's like you know they have varying levels of 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 toughness trache like you know all these guys they all had an edge but clark gillies was a guy that you were just like i ain't i ain't gonna screw with that guy like i don't i don't need to get on i don't need to get on his bad list and uh it reminds me of a story uh that i i just read where uh, when Clark ended up in Buffalo and the first game against the Isles and like any of the guys on the Isles that didn't know Clark, they said, whatever you do, stay out of his way. Like, just don't get near him. Don't do anything. Just don't get on his bad side, because if you do, we're in for a very long night. Yep. Uh, like that, that to me, when you get that kind of a heads up on a guy who, you know, again, it wasn't known for being a brawler or any of that. Like he's not, we're not talking to Terry O'Reilly, Dave Schultz guy, like just a natural tough dude and a tough dude who could get the get the get the work done that's a that's a huge compliment you know especially like like i said like back in those days where you know it was a little bit wild west like clark was the guy that you're just like don't cross him just just don't cross him and that and the fact that he was such a good dude off the ice and such a you know a beloved guy in the community i mean that's i don't know like that's that to me is is like having the perfect hockey life where you know, you get to win the cups, you get to be a, you know, you're beloved in a community. And then, you know, you're somebody that everybody's looking forward to seeing like at the, at these things, you know, like anytime they would have something going on at, at the Coliseum and, you know, Clark was there, man, like the, 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 the applause and the, the cheers that Clark would still get years later was, it was so good. It was so impressive. Yeah, no, such a good guy in the playoffs last year. He smashed a beer can over his head. It's a, <laughs> it's now etched in uh, on the fan uh, lore and stuff and history. I mean, it was just uh, an amazing run. Obviously, last year at the the Coliseum and the, and the great games against the uh, the Lightning and and he, you know, they were all part of it. And the new ownership has done a great thing. Obviously, bringing in you know uh, you know retiring Butchie and Tonelli's number there uh, season mm-hmm. or so ago. Um, you know, um, I know. Um, Bossy himself is, is also battling some health issues as well, too. He's always been an incredible, great ambassador of the team. Bobby Nystrom as well. But they did this great thing now at UBS. I'm actually taking my uh, son to his first uh, – I'm a Ranger fan, but my son is an Islanders fan. He's uh, going to be 9 in March, and we're going to see the Kraken. Uh, that's why we want this storm to stay out, out in the ocean. We don't want anything canceled here on Saturday. Yeah. Um, but looking forward to seeing the building for the first time. And I know they've set up the Hall of Fame section over there. They put up some pictures the other night from the game, and a lot of fans left flowers and stuff. But even as sad as it is to hear Clark going, and, you know, look, we're all getting older. All those guys are getting older, too. It it was nice to at least these past two or three seasons under Ledecky embracing the old guard, the dynasty. Even as a Rangers fan, Joe, I've always, I've always hated the fact that they, they let the luster of that what that team did just fade into the 
the empty seats at the Coliseums over the year. I mean, you could look mm-hmm. up and you could see like the yellow fade in the banners and the, the retired numbers and stuff. And now it's an integral part of the new building, the new ownership, and this new team going forward. And uh, it's a great thing. So I, 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 I'm sure Clark, even these last couple of years before he passed away here, uh, he must have felt really good uh, about being part of this this organization. Oh yeah, the when when these guys get get asked to come back to be a part of and you know to be remembered i mean yeah it you know it, it kind of plays into the whole fame and ego thing for everybody like, like let's face it anybody who gets asked to come back to be a part of something it's like hell yeah i'm in but it, it was a different thing with the islanders because that was like the the fandom that was created from those teams being so good you know starting with pot van and bossy and those guys and and coming up and then winning four in a row like that's i don't know it People hate when they hear this, but it's different in New York City, like New York City, Long Island. It's such a different thing when you win a title in those in those areas, because it's such a big deal. Like that's so many people that are into it. And, you know, Long Island has always wanted that identity, like to be, you know, to be separate from New York City. Like, you know, people from Long Island are just like, no, 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 no. I ain't from Queens. I'm from Long Island. Like, leave me alone. Like, that's, <laughs> you know, you, you got it. Like, there's a borderline somewhere in Queens where it's like it's Long Island or it's Queens. And you got to decide which one you're from. <laughs> and that, you know, it's basically decided along the sports, you know, the sports fandom lines. But um, but like Long Island didn't have an identity in those days. Like that was, you know, it was just like that's an, it's that part east of the city. Like, OK, cool. Like, it's where people go on vacation. All right. Neat. But. There wasn't a team. There wasn't anything to latch on to. The Islanders, the Islanders, everybody latched on to. And every guy in that team is a hero. And, and every guy, like, was into it from the get-go. Because, you know, you're rock stars at that point. Like, you go, go anywhere from, like, you know, from, from, from Montauk all the way, you know, all the way west. Like, you're a superstar. Like, that's, that's pretty cool. And every single one of those dudes just loved it. And it was, you know, anytime they're asked back to do these things, they, everybody went in. You know, all these guys would would be into it and that, you know, the previous ownerships didn't really lean into it is is sad. I mean, I, I know part of it was because the teams weren't good. Like, I mean, that's that's a big part of it. But like if you did something, those guys would show up like yeah. that was that was the whole thing. Like they would be there and they would be a part of it. And, you know, it's something to pe- for people to feel happy about, especially when times are bad. Listen. The 50th anniversary of the Sabres up here, they they couldn't, you know, every the the, the biggest selling games were were the throwback nights each for each decade. Like that was, <laughs> you know, like the team was bad that year, but they're like, hey, whatever, we got 70s night, we got 80s night, we got 90s night. Like that kind of stuff is easy to do. And for the for the Islanders, you have such a they have such a rich cup history with with those teams from the 80s. Just everybody, and like even the even past those cup teams, when you get into like the LaFontaine era, and you know, I know things start getting a little bit hazy once once uh, Mad Mike took over and, you know, the 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 decades of darkness there, I guess, would would be the way to put that. But yeah, there was still some great players that came through. I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's all tinged with sadness. The Islander stuff like from, from the cup years is not tinged with anything but but happy thoughts. And that's mm-hmm. that's the big thing like that. Ha- hang on to those happy parts and just cherish them forever. Yeah, no, we'll uh, we'll definitely miss Clark Gillies. We'll miss seeing him out here and uh, at the games and in public here uh, on Long Island, no doubt. Uh, a great Islander and a, just a, a good, solid guy all around. Um, let's bump. Uh, let's go across. Uh, let's cross the bridge here and uh, go over to Madison Square Garden. Uh, Hank's numbers going up in the rafters on Friday, and so that's pretty I, cool. 
I love Henrik Lundqvist. Like he's so he's, dreamy. <laughs> <laughs> not just that. It's not just that he's so dreamy, but like he's like the ultimate gentleman. Like this dude, he would take time out to talk to anybody. He didn't look down on anybody. He didn't like, you know, turn his nose up at anybody. You know, there's there's some guys that'll just be like, I ain't got time to talk to you. I, 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 whatever. Just, you know, get out of my hair. Um, <laughs> but there was uh, anytime, anytime I had a chance to like just, you know, just shoot the breeze with with, with Henrik. He was just so cool about it. And he was just so laid back always, you know, like uh, there was one, t- there was a preseason game we had in Albany one year. It was Devils Rangers. Uh, it was the first time they had done, had NHL teams for a preseason game up in Albany in years. And this was uh Kovalchuk and Parise playing for the Devils and Lundquist and everybody for the Rangers. So, like this was some pretty good, some studs pretty good on teams. Yeah, like, some this studs was, there, yeah. This was exciting. And, uh, and this was the year the, uh, the Rangers were going to Sweden to start the year. Yeah. For uh, yeah. So, so they, uh, so after the game, like Lundqvist had played a period or something like that. Cause they didn't have a ton of, they didn't have a ton of preseason games that year. Mm-hmm. Cause they, you know, they had to get ready to go to Sweden. They were doing, you know, doing the whole trip, but, but I remember talking to Henrik and, and, you know, I'm like one of two people in the locker room. It's like me and Larry Brooks. Like, that's it. Brooksy. <laughs> cause, Cause it's Albany. Like who's coming to Albany, <laughs> even though it's right up the highway from New York city. Nobody coming up for, for a one-off game. Like, ah, it just ain't happening. But it was me and Brooksy were in there. And like, I'm, standing there waiting for other people to come over to talk to Henrik and nobody's coming over. I'm like, okay. Like, say, so just talking to him about Sweden and like his face just lit up about it. He's, he was so excited to go and he was so excited to show everybody on the team, like where to be like places to go, all this stuff. Just he's, they call the King and it's a, he's a King for a reason. Cause man, he's just the coolest dude going. I don't know anybody that hates him other than like Devils and Islanders fans. Like that's and Capitals fans. <laughs> and, well, and, and some Montreal fans. <laughs> well, eh, I don't know about Cap. Well, Capitals fans. They wanted to love him. He just he was, you he know, was part he of those teams that knocked him out, man. I'm, well, I don't sure, know, but he was going to think play Bruce Boudreau is uh, Boudreau is sending him a Christmas card. Wow. <laughs> probably, yeah, probably not. I mean, is Ovi going to send him a crew? Well, yeah, I can see him and Ovi hanging. They're out. good friends. They're, they're all right. I, I can see them being pals, but, <laughs> uh, but, but like Henrik is just, I'm, I mean, man, when they, when the Rangers were in that 2014 Cup final, and Henrik dragged that team into the final. Now the Rangers played pretty well, but it was Lundqvist that dragged that team into the final, and, you know, you're dealing with a Kings team that just won it two years before, and it's just like, man, this is this seems tough, and it was, but like. I, I still say this. If they had made it, if they had beaten the Devils in 2012, that series against the Kings is way more interesting. Yeah. Because, yeah. I, I mean, the Kings were so hot that year. And the Devils, you know, Devils, you know, were just kind of had a bit of a horseshoe going with them, which, hey, you know, hey everybody needs a horseshoe in the playoffs. But, um, but with the way with the way the Kings were playing, I was like, Devils don't stand a chance. I was like, you need, you know, Marty, you know, Marty played great, but like, it's old Marty, you know, but like Henrik, Prime Henrik playing against the Kings that year. It was also, it's a yeah, they, story. they were also up against the prime Jonathan Quick, who looked pretty damn yeah, well, good the other night at the Garden Quick, too. Quick, he had an obscene playoffs. The yeah. Kings, Kings were unbeatable that playoffs. But I digress. But like Henrik, man, oh man, he's he's so like people will will knock on the you know oh he only went to one Cup final. I'm like, dude, he's the only reason the Rangers anybody gave a crap about the Rangers for his entire career because they supported him with nobody. You know, they, they, anybody that they they brought in there was like a, it was always a half-ass kind of thing, 
And it was Henrik that kept them afloat. Like anytime they made the playoffs, it was Henrik. And anytime they did anything really great, it was because they had Henrik. And it was it's sad that it was only until now that the Rangers started getting their act together as far as like putting a you know a more full team out on the ice and then Henrik's gone. And it's just like so it's you know, it's ships passing in the night and it's so disappointing. But man, oh man. I, but like Lundqvist, uh, he's just the ultimate dude. I can't wait for him to go in the Hall of Fame. I'm so excited to see his number go up. I mean, he's just just an absolute he's absolute royalty as far as I'm concerned. He's the best. Yeah, no, just a, a good guy and uh, definitely dreamy in between on MSG now in the Ranger <laughs> games. I, I have to catch my breath, you know. He's, if you see me on Twitter, I'll post. <laughs> I always post hey, his, his, uh, his, his, his MSG ad with the uh, where he's he's like smoothies anybody. I'm just like, yeah, OK. Yeah. OK. OK, King. <laughs> I'll take a smoothie. Sure thing, bud. Here, Joe, would you... Henrik, Henrik says to Joe, Yo, would you hold this live grenade for me, please? Sure, sure, Hank. You got it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got you. I got you. Yeah, I got it's, you, man. It's fine. Hey, you, listen, you've been holding live grenades your whole career. I got this one. It's fine. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's skip over to two um, pretty damn good defensemen. Uh, Drew Doughty here is going to play in his thousandth game for the Kings. We were just talking about the Kings there. And uh, Keith Yandel, former Ranger. Uh, played his 965th consecutive regular season game. Man, it's unbelievable. And he broke Doug Jarvis's record. Why don't you talk about those two guys a little bit? Man, I, I'll start with Dowdy because I just aged 20 years by you saying Sorry. he's playing his 1,000th game. Sorry, like, buddy. holy God. How has he been in the league long enough to play a 1,000 games? My goodness. Um, I know he's he's kind of disliked on Twitter a bit. Like people are kind of over him, but like, man, doubt has been so good his whole career. Like, you know, he's, he's just a point monster. Like he just, he just, he, he plays so well. And I know like some of the fancy stats are kind of bad. And you know, when the, you know, when the, you know, when things are down for the Kings, like Dowdy gets a little bit, you know, down in the mouth about stuff who doesn't when things are bad and like people act like that's a unique thing. So go, oh, he's, kind of pissy the team's all bad he's acting pissy like, yeah of course he is what do you mean like well you're supposed to sit back and be like wow what a great season i'm having so much fun it's like uh <laughs> drew you're out of the playoffs by 25 points yeah it's super i love it I'm like what? crazy but like this dude all he's done all he's done is just played top level offensive hockey from the back line like he had a few years there where he was equal to the he was equal to the to the to the task on defense uh, I know, I know the defensive game has, has slipped up a little bit in the past few years, but man, dude still gets it done. Like there's two or three times just in the past, like six years where people have been like, well, I think his career's ending. It's coming to an end here. Things are getting bad. And nope. Goes right back to, you know, puts up 40, 50 He's points or something all. like that. Gold yeah, medals, Stanley cups. Right. Stanley cups. He's, he's won a Norris. Like, okay. Like that, uh, perfect career. And dude, like, what, I mean, like, what else do you want? I know. And watching him, Brown, and Kopitar on the power play the other night, you know, for these guys, and, you know, and Quick's well, back man. in the net. I mean, they're they got forty eight some odd points here. They're third place in the division. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Boyfield and Kemp. I mean, there's a little, a lot of good stuff going around there and everything mm-hmm. else. But they still look damn good out there on the ice. It's it's wild because they're all like what they're nor they're they're all north of thirty. Like, you yeah. know, I think Kopitar is 34 now. I think Brown, I think Dustin Brown's 36 and uh, Dowdy, Dowdy's like a 30, 33, 34, something like that. Like, I, listen, they're, they're defying what, you know, because 
the way stats break stuff down, they're like your prime years in the NHL are between like 26 and, you know, between 24 and 28. Like those are the prime years. And like these guys are 10 years past it, still loaded up, yep. still scoring points, still mm-hmm. generating, still, you know, all those, except for Kopitar, all those guys, people have been like, I don't know. I think they're, I think they're done. You know, like the, you know, the, they're not producing as well. They're not playing as well. They're done. And Dustin Brown's been great the last two, three years. You know, that, I mean, that's a dude with a lot of hard miles on his body yep. and he still gets it done and quick, you know, people have been trying to bury him for, for years and years and years. Still plays pretty well. Outstanding like, against the Rangers. Anytime I see him in like, when he's in like that ready to pounce kind of cat stance in the net, I know he's on because I saw it that entire year, 2012, I'd see this watching a goalie get as low as he does mm-hmm. and wondering how, how can he stop anything? from that and he's just so fast and he's yep. he, yeah, lives up to his last name like, what are you gonna do but like but dowdy i mean it, it's it's i feel bad for them i feel feel bad for the kings that they were only able to win two stanley cups during that time because it was them in chicago going you know tete-a-tete for for the better part of like seven eight years and yep. chicago usually came out on top of it you know sometimes san jose would upset la or, or whatever but like but man, like that's that crew and like that crew's been through it all, man. Like that going back to the days when what was it when Terry Murray coached them and they scored tons of points, like they scored tons and tons of points, but they weren't able to win games. And I remember uh, when they fired Murray and oh, I'm forgetting Lombardi. Was it Lombardi? Probably, Joe. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not going to pretend to know over here. Okay, <laughs> I'm trying to remember who the 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 vice president, but he hated firing. He fi- hated firing Murray, and he brought in Daryl Sutter, and then suddenly those dudes weren't scoring points anymore, but they were winning games. Yeah, and they were they started winning games by a bunch. People hated Sutter. Players hated Sutter. I love Sutter, but he got got him the cups. Got him the cups. I think he's a great grumpy dude. I love me? him. Like, look what he's doing in Calgary. I, Good stuff. Same stuff he did in L.A., man. Yeah. Like the, you got the talent there. Just make it work. Direction. And he doesn't. Man. And he doesn't. Listen. Listen. Daryl Sutter shovels crap. He doesn't take crap. Okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's the old farmer in him, man. Like he, he's not going to take your crap. He shovels enough of it back home on the on the ranch. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. Dowdy. I mean, awesome career. It's great to see him get to a thousand, even though it makes me feel like I'm nine hundred years old. <laughs> but with um. Who else were you asking me? Yandel. Yeah, 965 games. uh, Journeyman here on the Flyers now. Leave it to the Flyers to make that into a drama bomb, huh? Well, they got nothing else to talk about. I mean, except uh, uh, I think their their chairman there, uh, Mr. Scott, uh, Dave Scott, I believe is his name. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. the news came out that he just gave Chuck Fletcher a blank check to fix the Philadelphia Flyers. Well, that sounds dangerous. I don't know if that does anything for Keith Yandel, um, if he's going to be part of that (laughs) fix. Yeah. (laughs) But... uh, it's been a little controversial for Yandel the last couple of years because what was it yeah. uh, when he was in Florida last year? He, uh, he, there was talk that he might have gotten sat down for a game, like he might have just scratched them. And I guess the guys in the room went nuts about it. They're just like, "Dude, you can't do that! Like, you can't like end his streak just because you want to you want to bench him." And like Quenville was just kind of like, "All right, fine, I guess. Like, I guess we'll keep playing him. I guess that's how <laughs> it'll go." And you know, things weren't. Things were okay with the Panthers. It's certainly not the way it is this year for the Panthers. But with the Flyers, the, things are so bad for the Flyers 
that people are just like, you got to bench Yandel. Like, he's not doing any good. And I'm like, how can you tell the difference? <laughs> the <laughs> whole team stinks. How are you going to tell me? Like, you can tell me Keith Yandel's the guy is the reason why you're losing 12 in a row. No, he's absolutely not the reason. But like, listen, it takes a lot to play that many games. And it takes a lot to play that many games in a row. Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? This league's impossible to stay healthy in. And like, the crazy part is that the guy nipping at his heels is Phil Kessel who That's crazy. blows my mind. <laughs> it, at, like he looks like the least healthy player that's ever played hockey. And he's one of the fastest skaters and he never gets hurt. And as soon as Yandel's streak ends, which got a feeling that might happen sooner than not. Now that he mm-hmm. broke the record, um, <laughs> Kessel's going to break it uh, almost immediately right afterwards. So, you know, I, I do what like Doug Jarvis's record held on for how long? like decades and now, you know, Yandel's might fall in the course of a two months, <laughs> you know, if things, things play out the way they go. I mean, it's wild. It is, man. It's a, it's a great, um, it's a great stat for, for him as a player. And, you know, he's, it's, it's weird how some of these guys might have not, might not have the success as a team on the team and bring their team to success. And, and then you find some of these guys with these individual accomplishments and, you know, uh, I, I always liked Keith when he was here in New York, too, for that little bit. And, you know, thought they would have found some success there in, in Florida, you know, when Luongo was there and even Yager and all that other stuff. And, and mm-hmm. it just fell too short. I mean, remember the Islanders knocked him out? That that was not supposed to happen. Um, but, um, yeah, look, it's, it's, a hell of a, uh, it's a hell of a record here, and, and, and kudos to him. And I don't know what you get for um, 965. Do you get a bonus for that in your paycheck? Is that- Man, I hope so. <laughs> there better be a bonus. Jeez. Uh, too much. Hey, a uh, couple last things before I let you go here, Joe. Um, one, two, three. No, wait. One, two, three, four, five, six wins in a row for your and mine and everybody else's Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. Playing pretty damn well right behind the Rangers. Jeff Carter, of all people, thinking of uh, old Kings there, just signed a two-year yeah. extension for about six mil. Mm-hmm. Um. They still believe. What's the the terrible towels flying there in Pittsburgh? I know uh, Beth uh, Grossberger Roethlisberger retired, but uh, Sid and and the rest of the boys are. Uh, I tell you, man, Penn's looking good, buddy. Yeah, and they just got Malkin back. Like Malkin, Malkin looks like he hasn't missed a step. Like, I mean, he should be fresh, obviously, because he's been out for for quite a while. But like, man, he looks he looks rejuvenated, which is super to see. I Malkin's one of my favorites. But like, can we talk about how how good of a coach Mike Sullivan is? Love him because he's had to juggle knives and wrangle kittens all at the same time the last like what two three years with guys being banged up, guys getting hurt, you know, COVID stuff, everything. And the Penguins just still keep coming. They still keep showing up. They still keep, you know, beating teams and, you know, beating teams heads in and they look dangerous as ever. And it's, it's wild. Pittsburgh and Boston have been like two of those teams that you want to bury every year and be like, well, it's got to come to an end soon, right? It's got to be over soon. It doesn't, it doesn't end. They don't go away. They keep winning. And you know what? That's good. I like, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a Pittsburgh guy. Like by any means, but like, I love seeing that. I I'm at the age now where I, where Crosby and Malkin, I can appreciate the hell out of their games. Yeah, you, uh, these are their Jeff Carter. I've always here. been a yeah. fan of Evan Rodriguez is one of my favorite dudes. Like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like Rodriguez got like what? 20, he's almost got 20 goals, right? 
Mm-hmm. What they talk about found not found money 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 they took from the Sabers. <laughs> <laughs> there you let's, go. Let's not get it crossed up there. But like that's uh, I mean it's impressive. It's just impressive all around for them. And it's not like they haven't had hard roads here. It's not like they haven't had headaches to deal with. They just keep finding ways to succeed. And that's to me that's all on Sullivan. You know because Mike Sullivan's just a, he's just a, a knockout coach. And I know he's getting some love for the Adams Trophy. He should. He should probably win it. <laughs> you know, to me, it's it's him and Gerard Gallant as far as as far as as far as that goes. But um, but I mean, Sullivan, like it's easy to, to say it's easy for Sullivan because you'd be like, oh, he's got Crosby. He's got Latang, He's got all these guys. Of course, he, of course, the team's good. Like, yeah, but all those guys are over 30 and all those guys that get banged up. And some of the you know, some of the skills aren't as good as they used to be. Still win. Even with a bunch of those guys out, still win. Evan Rodriguez having like his the best season of his career, winning. You know they're, they they just have guys just do anything. Like it's like and when Jake Gettleman showed up a few years ago. It was just like who's this guy? Now he's a thirty goal scorer. Like it's amazing. Yeah, no, it's it's great to see. Uh, always like Sully. I liked him here when he was in New, New York too. Um, continued success to him. And look, I mean, you know, depend. It doesn't matter who you love or root for. Your favorite team is. You know, as a hockey fan, you got to try and appreciate everything and everybody that's playing, especially these guys who have done so much, had so much success, and guys like, you know, Kopitar and Dowdy and, and Quick who have won already. You see Taze and Kane still going out there. Mm-hmm. And Granted, these guys are all millionaires and they're playing the game they love, but still, it's it's a taxing game. It's a taxing season in the last couple of seasons, but it's great to see these guys come in. Look, we all buy tickets. There's still the high-priced tickets for your home team. I don't care what you say. When the Penguins come in, when the Rangers come in, when the Kings come mm-hmm. in, uh, when Boston comes in, Bergeron marching, you want to see what happens, what goes on. So um, it's it's great for the game to see these guys going on. Um, Joe, I, I want to bring up real quick um, just a few more minutes here, but look um, – you know, racism in all sports and in, in every walk of life and everything like that, it's it's unfortunately it's terrible. It's still here in this country. I don't wanna what I wanna ask you is and I guess what I'll say first is obviously uh is, is PK Subin, you know, and he's obviously he's going through his stuff, regular hockey player stuff with the, the slew mm-hmm. foot and all that stuff. And I've always loved PK Subin. I've loved him as a player. I, I don't care what anybody says. He brought life to the Canadians. He brought life to the Predators. He's a great player to be in here in New Jersey. Love him or hate him, he's he's a good guy. Whatever happens on the ice, like I said, you can whatever. That's small for the for the full body of work. That's a really small part, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of PK's history as a player, or whatever. Now the the incident that happened with his brother Jordan down there in the ECHL, you know, unfortunately, it still happens. But what I love the PK's speech, if you didn't see it after the game the other night, mm-hmm. I think it was about everything. And I was just so impressed with him as, not so much the hockey player, but as the human being. And his mm-hmm. words were just unbelievable. Just kind of telling it like it is and saying, look, you don't you don't know what it's like unless you walk in our skins and, and, and all that stuff. And, and I'm mm-hmm. totally with him. And uh, I just wanted to get your take on on him. I thought he was just... Incredibly mature, uh, incredibly professional, and I think everybody should watch what he said the other day. Whether you like him as a player or a person or not, I think it's uh, it was a little bit of education. Uh, and when when it's from somebody that you respect and like, you know, for me personally as a player and as a person, um, to me it was it was great to see him do that. And I know it's tough on him and his family and all players of colors in all sports. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I these incidents bother me to no end because hockey likes to put itself. The NHL likes to put itself up as you know hockey's for everybody, you know full inclusion, all this stuff, and then you get crap like this happening. You know, like the ECHL just suspended Panetta for the rest of the season. Good, good. Like that's that's what he deserves. Like he deserves worse, as far as I'm concerned. Like you you start doing stuff like that. You don't belong. You don't belong on a team. You don't. It's just there's zero place for it. If you want to you want to bust the guy's chops, you know, tell him he, he smells bad or, or whatever, like, you know, tell him his dog's ugly. Like, OK, fine. Like you, th- Those are the chirps you can you can do. You can't be. You can't be like that. You can't be just a total piece of garbage and being a racist pig about stuff and, and doing that. And it's just. This stuff bothers me to no end. So I love seeing, I love to see PK speak from the heart like that. I just wish he didn't have to do it. You know, exactly. like, yeah, I agree. You know, that's, that's the thing that gets me, you know, I want to see, I want to see more, you know, I want to see more guys who are not players of color speak up and just be like, yo, this is stupid. Like this, this is, there's no place for this. Like Jason Zucker with the, with the penguins did that. Um, you know, he did it. He, you know, it's not, was didn't really get a, get around too much, but he tweeted something about it where he's just like he's like, yo, this, you know, you know, him and his wife were doing something to to try to try to help out, and it it uh, it always these incidents happen, and always the burden falls on the players of color to to speak out against it. You know, Wayne Simmons, like, listen, I don't know how many times Wayne Simmons has been asked about this. You know, Kyle Pozo, these guys, you know, these guys are like the ultimate gentlemen in the NHL. Like they're all extremely well respected, and yet this crap happens to them. And it happens to their, you know, happens to their teammates and it happens like that. And they got to speak up about it. And it's like, I wish they didn't have to do it. Like that's, you know, and it's unfair to them to always have to shoulder the burden to try to tell people like, yo, this is bad. Don't do it. Because chances are, if you're somebody that thinks it's okay to do that, you ain't listening to them. Like that's, you know, that's the sad part of it. But I, um, it was, it was, it was great to hear PK say that it's just, it breaks my heart that he had to, mm-hmm. and it's even worse that it, you know, that it's, you know, it happens to his brother, and, you know, it, it it's so obvious like what the guy was doing to try to egg him on, mm-hmm. and the part that seems to get lost on people when when they're you know you get some people who are trying to play devil's advocate with this with this whole thing, which I'm drives me nuts, but there's just I don't see what the big deal is. It's like, dude. Subban's teammates over already to beat the crap out of this dude. And like the referees had to pull, you know, eight guys away from him just to be like, all right, like, you're going to get killed by these guys. Let's get you out of here. And he kept running his mouth. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't, if I'm the ref in that spot, I'm just kind of like, I don't know, just go, you know, t- go take care of business boys. Like, yeah. you know, that, like, that's that, like, but that doesn't solve anything. It just emboldens rotten people to be worse. Um, but I just, it, it's, I, you know, I, I don't like seeing that. I hate seeing this stuff happen. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's horrible, but it's out there. And hockey seems to be one sport where that, I don't want to say it thrives, but it, it's definitely there way more than it is in other sports. And that's, that's the worst part. Yeah, no. And uh, PK made a point to say that, you know, you, you're, you're, you're hearing me now and listening to me because I'm PK Subban on the New Jersey Devils. He says, this goes on, you know, year in year out on on think of all the junior teams the the minor teams the small mm-hmm. teams and 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 where where those kids don't either have the protection or the the platform to speak out on it so Paulie, uh, Paulie, we had an we had an incident happen here with uh with a with like a youth league team here in buffalo you know, right around buffalo area last year 
made made the that made the rounds in in the news. It's everywhere, man. Like that's that's the that's the worst part. And some people just kind of like, you know, they look at it and just go, oh, well, that's that's really tough. Uh, but then they don't do anything about it, yeah. or they have a good laugh about it because they're a total pieces of trash. So, you know, it's it's trying to get through to to people like that. That is the hardest part. Yeah, I agree with you, man. No doubt about it. All right, look, uh, we'll close on this. The uh, the Sabers are still being the Sabers. Um, Aren't they though? Uh, yeah, I see. Um, I mean, Aaron Dell's, you know, getting in the the headlines. I guess he's got to get the PR. PR told him probably to take out uh, you know, Batherson the other night, give us some something to talk that. about. Uh, the young kid came up um, and and scored his first couple of goals uh, as an NHLer. That was pretty cool. Part of the yeah, uh, the um, Eichel trade, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, Krebs, yeah. Peyton yes. Krebs came up, did did some. He, he's been solid. Like he's, he, I don't. I don't see him going back to Rochester. That's nice. Why? Um, Rochester's <laughs> probably better than the Sabres. Uh, well, they are, um, <laughs> at least record-wise. Uh, I don't know about talent-wise, no, but record-wise, yes. Um, yeah, yeah Krebs, is, Krebs has been really good. He's, you know, the, the offensive ability for him is there. Like, his, his, he's like a one-step-ahead kind of passing guy, you know, passer player. Like, he doesn't shoot a ton, but, like, hey, listen, those two goals he had the other night – pretty darn good like those you know deflection and then you know it makes another great play like you like to see that like that's that's the positive stuff for for buffalo like like these are the little micro micro that turn into macro things for buffalo that they have that are worth paying attention to because the team as a whole they ain't get the wins ain't gonna help the the little lights you find in the dark (laughs) right that's what i mean like the you know little surprises under the rocks like oh look i found a nickel ooh, a quarter like you know (laughs) you find a change in the street and you're just like oh man today's my lucky day and that's 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 what that's where this season's at for buffalo you got to take the little the little happy things and and run with it and hope that it plays forward but instead you get the law you get a five death loss to ottawa you get arendelle being an idiot like an absolute <laughs> moron like look look at their goaltending situation right now it's Arendelle and michael hauser you know hauser they had to sign out of yeah hauser had a roch had an ahl contract with rochester and you know he played for buffalo last year but like they were just like well we'll keep him in the system like he's a solid guy let's let's you know let's keep him involved okay turns out he's now their starter because Arendelle <laughs> hasn't been very good this year Hauser's been very good in both of his starts, two, three starts. And now Dell's gone and done this when they don't have, they don't have anybody to call up Paulie. They're like Craig Anderson. He's almost ready to be back. He'll be, I bet he's back next week. Hank will be free after Friday. Uh, hey, listen, if, if, <laughs> if he's, if he's got, if he's got the heart to do it. Oh, you know, if his heart can hang in there, I don't know if they would heart, his heart would take Buffalo is the, is the thing. That's, oh, that, that, he doesn't need to relive his 0506 seasons with the Rangers. Let's 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 be real here. Too but much, like man. it's but like, you know, Anderson not ready to play yet. Tokarski practice today, probably not ready to play yet. Maybe maybe by maybe by Sunday because they're going to need him Sunday. But still, they don't have a backup. And Dell's like one of two active goalies they have. And he goes out and does the stupid thing where he takes out Batherson. He's sitting in the pipes going, how can I get out of this? I mean. Let me take somebody out and get suspended. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. He does that, and he does it in the first period. They're already losing three to nothing. And I had people on Twitter asking me, I was like, well, you know, they got to take him out, right? And I go, no, leave him in there. Because if the the Sens are going to take a chunk of flesh out of somebody, it better be him. They better not go and run Hauser. 
because Hauser doesn't deserve that. And then if they run Hauser and he gets hurt, you got to put Dell back in and he gets his face pounded and then he gets suspended. You have zero goalies. You have no, you have, you played, you're going to play seven goalies this year. Then you have zero. You have none. What an idiot. Like, you have to be the dumbest person on earth to think, yeah, this is a great idea. Let me just, let me just shoulder this guy right in the mug while he doesn't suspect it. Like, imagine if you're, imagine if you're like a safety in football and you just go and drill a receiver has not, has nothing to do, not near the ball anywhere. just flattens them. And then it's just like, I don't see what the big deal is. What's the problem? What's the big deal? Like, this dude, Folks, that he did it, I'm watching he did it Joe, free, like, Here's the thing. He's turning he six Jack different Coleman colors. Two weeks ago. <laughs> he, he's done this stuff before. Like, he hurt, uh, what, Mark Stone last year? Two years ago? Like, he did the same exact move and knocked Stone out for, like, a week or two. And then he did it to Ely Tolvin in a couple weeks ago in Nashville. Like, just went out and just threw a body check. Like, dude, you're going to get ECW. run. Put him ECW. Get him out of there. Honestly, like, just put him in the put him in the put him in the hexagon, put him in the octagon. Like, let's go, man. Oh man, look, I bring up the savers. Joe's turning bright red, purple, green, all these different it's things, just, man. It, oh, how's it? Oh, it's, the, it's the dumbest thing. Like, you, <laughs> I just can't believe somebody could be that dumb. Oh man, I hope the lacrosse team is doing okay up there because it's, it's a little ways away before spring. Baseball. Hey, bandits are, bandits are going to win the division, buddy. Oh man, Joe, you're the best as always. Thanks for kicking things off with me here at THS. Have a super weekend. Make sure you listen to Maintenance Day on Monday with Mr. Joe. Take care, pal. See you, buddy. Well, all right, it's time to head on out to the cold and windy city, affectionately known as Chicago. Bring in our great friend, Mr. Tab Bamford. Talk some Hawks. I, I think they just scored again, Tab. I think another call. I think it's up to 12 to... I don't know. We'll talk about it anyway. Welcome aboard THS again, brother. What's happening? Oh, I'm, you're right. I think uh, the Hawks and Red Wings... Uh, you know, last night was fun because, you know, obviously the national broadcast of an original six rivalry game. Uh, now they're rivals for a better spot in the draft lottery than they used to be. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're celebrating... Uh, the Great One's birthday last night on TNT, and uh, in honor of the Great One, the, the Hawks and Red Wings broke out a mid-80s final score for everybody. And your boy Dylan Strom with the Hattie. What's going on? Are you calling the front office over there? You've been pining for Strom to be in there for months. Well, as I was only half facetiously tweeting last night, <laughs> You get a goal from Kubelik, you get three from Strom, uh, and then you get Jake DeBrusque scoring for Boston and Colorado. Uh, last night was apparently the help my trade value scoring <laughs> night around the NHL uh, as guys who are littered across the trade rumors sheets around the league uh, decided to, to get it in the net. No, I mean, look. The ability has always been there for Stroman. As I've talked about for a year and a half now uh, here on the show, the, the issue with Strom is that more times than not, he has struggled at the dot, and he's not the world's best skater. And I've compared him to Artem Anisimov a lot in the past, a former Blackhawk centerman who was going to give you about 47% at the dot and probably 45, 50 points because – 
he was smart enough to know to go to the greasy areas and had good hands and a high enough hockey IQ to know where to be. And Strom's kind of that guy. Now, I will say this. Over the last two weeks, Dylan Strom's winning like 60% of his face-offs. And I'm not sure what clicked, but he looks really good. And frankly, they've been giving him more face-off opportunities than even, even Jonathan Taves, who's among the league leaders at the dot this year, up in the high 50s. So if you can keep doing that, you know, there's a lot of value there for a guy who is still young enough that you, you, you got to look at it and say, man, like how many teams would kill to have, you know, a, a center who is really at this point still, I, I think you'd consider him a rental with a, a rent to buy option, but you know, a low $3 million cap hit. Uh, he's a guy that again, you see the upside I'm not sure that he's a guy that's going to drive the offense, but at 24 years old, I think he's a guy that if you put him with the right wingers could, could be an offensive impact player. So, um, but with him heading to RFA this summer, tough decision coming there. Uh, and I think most people expect him to be dealt at some point in the next couple months because the Hawks have been trying for more than a year to move him and find him another opportunity. So, Last night didn't hurt. Um, I'm not sure anyone is going to say that Detroit is a defensive juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination. Obviously, I mean, look, the Blackhawks have lost their previous four games and scored six goals combined, and they put eight up on Detroit last night. So, obviously, Only seven both points teams... out of the wild card spot. It's hope here in Chicago. Eh. <laughs> let, let, let's not let's not crank those tires too much. I mean. I mean, when, when you're like, hey, we might get Tyler Johnson back sooner than later, come on. <laughs> and then what? We're going to have a, a five foot eight fourth line center making $5 million for three more years? Come on. So, yeah, I mean, look, this, this team has, has many flaws. But it's good to see guys like Strom and Kubalik start to show you a little something because those are two guys that are going to be in a lot of trade rumors coming up, already have been for more than a year, who are both in walk years and have RFA rights at the end of the season. So good to see some offense from two guys that I think interim GM Kyle Davidson is going to be uh, hard-pressed to find a reason to keep beyond the trade deadline this year. Um, so you got the Avs back on deck again after the loss there on, on uh, Monday, um, and then Minnesota with the Wilder in here playing um, the Rangers here Friday night. I want to We're going to talk a little Hank Lundquist in a little bit. Um, as far as Mark Andre here and, and, and the four losses there, I mean, is um, is he playing pretty much all the games right now? Because you know we talked a, bit, a little bit last week about possible, you know, him come trade deadline and everything else, and the transition that the Hawks are in, where they are as a franchise, and so on and so forth. But um, where, where's Mark here in the discussion over these last uh, five games? I know he played last night, obviously. So, Flurry has started. I'm, I'm, counting them up here, 11 of the last 12 games and got pulled early in the debacle at home against Minnesota last Friday. Uh, 5-1 loss. Lankinen came in, played well in relief. Lankinen came in, started, played out of his mind in Minnesota in overtime loss. Then you find out after the game that Lankinen's going to miss two or three weeks because of a hand injury that he suffered in that game, but he finished the game. Wow. So, I mean, you're looking at, you've got, what, probably... You got less than you got 
week and a half until the trade deadline here or the uh, All Star break. My gut is that Flurry gets Colorado, Vancouver, Minnesota, and then you go to the All Star break, and then you, you see what happens. Because the the Hawks come out of the All Star break with a road trip that involves the makeup game in Edmonton, the Duncan Keith revenge game, and then at St. Louis and at Winnipeg. Those are three tough games. Um, and you know we talked I think last week about this seven game stretch that was coming up with two against Minnesota, two against Colorado. Uh, you got a Vancouver in there and then another Minnesota before the All-Star game. You know, who are the Hawks going to beat? Well, they got one against Detroit. I think the Vancouver game sets up as an interesting one because Vancouver's come a little bit back to earth, but they've been playing a heck of a lot better since the coaching change. So I think the All-Star break is going to give the Blackhawks and Marc-Andre Fleury some time to have a a very deep conversation about, you know, what do you want? What are we doing? Yeah. Because, look, the guy's got a $7 million price tag this year, which is going to make it a struggle without the Hawks retaining a ton of money uh, to make a deal work with the teams that have been mentioned. Colorado's been mentioned a lot. They don't have the cap space. And, frankly, if, if Bo Byram is, is going to miss an extended amount of time here with his post-concussion stuff, I think if I were them, I'd be a little bit more worried about depth on the blue line than necessarily – chasing a $7 million goaltender. But Elliot Friedman earlier this week mentioned the Washington Capitals, which I'm sure turns the antacid bottles in Pittsburgh. Um, but, you know, that's a fascinating one because they've got a little wiggle room. They've got some intriguing young guys that are coming up on the end of their deals who might fit. Um, and if the Hawks eat three and a half of the $7 million that Fleury's owed, they might be able to make something work there. So I, I think you're going to see Flurry in the next three before the All-Star break. Uh, he played incredibly well in Denver on Monday of this week. So tomorrow night having Colorado at the United Center, we'll see if he can if he can show out there because he certainly put on a show if Joe Sackick was interested. Um, but I think he gets three, and then I, I think that you have some real um, tough conversations that take place over the All-Star break with Marc-Andre Fleury, and then Fleury talking to his family about what he wants to do. Yeah. And if there's more gas in the tank after this year, which he's certainly playing well enough on a bad Blackhawks team to make you think that he's, he's not done by any stretch of the imagination, but where he would want to go and what that would look like. Because I think the Washington rumor is fascinating because I think he could be a, a game changer for them in a, a really tough Eastern Conference that just keeps getting more and more muddy at the top. Because you've got some... Washington's certainly one of those teams, but you've got Boston starting to creep. You had the surge from Pittsburgh, Florida, Carolina, not going anywhere. Tampa's not anything to, you know, shake a stick at. They're the two-time defending champions and at the top of the league. So if they want to make some legitimate noise and chase another ring for Ovi, you know, this is a team that's really good, but Ovi's not going to play this well forever. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, father time is undefeated. So do they go and rent a Marc-Andre Fleury to try and give them that net presence that they think will be a postseason, you know, complete game changer for them. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Think, um, just, you know, would Pittsburgh be a place? I mean, you think about his history there, his start there. I mean, you know, Sid playing well. The team is playing pretty damn good. You know, just running off uh, six wins in a row here. 
uh, you know, uh, uh, is it's Pittsburgh content with Jari there and, and, and their crew as far as goaltending? Or you you think you dangle that out there? What's your play on that? You know, J- Jari is their one. I mean, look, he's 26 years old. He's got one year left on his deal. I think he's a guy that they're going to hang on to. Uh, and he, the question becomes, one, I mean, they've got Louis Domingue on IR. That's not working. Casey DeSmith, 30-year-old backup, eh. Um, the question in Pittsburgh would be with, you know, deadline, it looks like cap friendly saying at the deadline, they'll have about 4 million in cap space. What would they be willing to give up? What, What would they, what would they be willing to give up to bring him in? You know, Jeff Carter gets two more years at a a shade over 3 million, but you look at all the paper that's coming off the books and it makes sense for them to go for it. Gino's off the books after this season, mm-hmm. and we'll see at 35, 36 years old what the future holds for him. Rust is a UFA. Kapanen's a, an RFA. Uh, he's a, a really interesting player, 25, to see what happens with Kapanen. But then you look at their depth, and you know Brian Boyle, UFA. Simone, UFA. Evan Rodriguez, great player, UFA at 28 years old, coming off a $1 million deal. Big raise coming for him. Zach Aston Reese, under $2 million. He's a UFA. So a lot of these guys, Latang, UFA after this year. So if you're looking at one more run for these Penguins, I think the Disney narrative of putting Marc-Andre Fleury back with those guys is the feel-good story that a lot of people would want. Mm-hmm. My concern and question is, what would you give up to get him? And why? Yeah. And and because he's going to come in, and I think realistically, you look at the long term reality in Pittsburgh again. Jari is going to be your guy moving forward. So you'd be bringing in Mark Andre Fleury, the face of the franchise, the the first guy to start that run with Gino and, and Sid. Are you bringing him in as a seven million dollar backup, even a three and a half as a backup if the Hawks were to eat half of the money? What are you giving up for the Hawks to eat three and a half million dollars of of Flurry's cap? Are you are you going to dig into your prospect pool? Now the Hawks already made a deal with them; they got Lafferty for Alex Nylander, so it isn't like they don't know each other's phone numbers here. But I just I wonder, like it, that's a really that puts Tristan Jari in a really tough spot. Yeah, because if he struggles in one game, you know the whole world is going to be screaming for flurry and with one year left on his deal that that's an awkward spot but when you look at the guys that are coming off the books after this year and you're really going to go for it that might make sense but again he would be a pretty expensive backup and i think if you've got a bidding war between washington and pittsburgh washington needs him more and that might benefit the blackhawks to have two rivals bidding against each other and pittsburgh may be able to you know drive the price up on washington but a three and a half million dollar backup goaltender feels like a big buy from a Pittsburgh perspective. Uh, and again, I'm not sure what they would want or be willing to move in a deal uh, to make that happen. That doesn't affect the chemistry that they've got on the ice because, like I said, they're playing really well right now. I don't think you'd want to move a guy like Kapanen, um, who, again, if they've got you know whatever. 
$30 million coming off the books after this year, which they basically do, you know, he's a guy that probably as an RFA gets another contract from them. So, you know, that that's an interesting one because I think the heartstrings say, please, please, please. But the reality is why, why would you extend yourself? I mean, they're using LTIR right now. So why would you push yourself further over the cap and put yourself into a tougher situation if you don't have to, because you don't need to, because you've got Jari. Yeah. No, it don't make sense. And then maybe I, I like the, the drama of, uh, Flurry in a Caps jersey and uh, Pens and Caps playing each other for a round there in the playoffs. That'd be a, that'd be a lot of fun too. Yeah, and you know I think that y- you alluded to it, but I think that kind of pokes the bear a little bit with some of the emotions that your fellow Rangers fans had when King Henrik signed with the. He never played for Washington, obviously, because of the heart issues, and we're glad that he's been able to, you know, have some stuff done and be back. What appears to be full strength now happily retired and being his usual gorgeous self but <laughs> doing the rounds he's, he's on kelly he's on with kelly ripa and ryan Fallon last night yeah give give me the uh give me the american idol stance on on henrik lundquist and then you got <laughs> Fallon. he's doing the eli manning podcast today on youtube like He's making the rounds, and I think everyone's TV screen and computer screen are, are benefiting from his beautiful face and amazing wardrobe being on there. And, God, the salad on that guy is just ridiculous. I don't know how he keeps his hair that well after wearing a mask all those years. But anyway, now that we've totally crushed out on Lundquist, but that same thing, like Ranger fans were having some heart palpitations about ever seeing Lundquist in, in a jersey other than theirs, especially Washington. And I think the idea of Flurry going to Washington is is really a tough pill to swallow for Pittsburgh fans. So we'll see. You know, Vegas, Vegas, you know, startup franchise, no rivalry, no care, starting from scratch. You really didn't care. You wished him the best. But going to Washington, ugh. yeah, yeah, that, that's a tough one. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. Um, speaking of Lundquist, uh, bopping around here, some storylines in the NHL here this past week. Um, we'll stay with Lundqvist and then, um, got a couple of things I want to ask you about. Um, so his number gets retired here on Friday. So outside of his dreaminess and, uh, all that other stuff, just, you know, when you think of him as a player and, and, and what he's done for this league and obviously for the Rangers organization, a big part of just giving these guys a chance, uh, you know, all the conference finals they got into and obviously the, the run there in 2014 against a really, really good Kings team. Uh, but just a, a quick maybe minute or two here on Hank. Yeah, I mean, I, we love on, on this show and on Line Drive Radio, our, our baseball podcast, talking about how, like what, what comes to mind when you think of this guy and what's the comp. And the guy that I think of when I think of Henrik Lundqvist in another sport is Dan Marino. Got to one championship round, was in the playoffs practically every year, You'd pay to watch the guy play, put up incredible numbers, but the team around him just never was quite good enough. But you look at the numbers, seventh round pick, 205th overall. (laughs) I mean, who, I mean, whatever scout went to the Rangers front office and said, Hey, we should take this dude out of Sweden should have a, you know, a a little asterisk in his name next to it in italics on (laughs) Hank's plaque up in Toronto at the hall of fame, because you know, and, and I was looking at it earlier today. There were 
three other guys in the seventh round of that draft that played in at least 500 NHL games, which is crazy. And that was back when the draft was longer than seven rounds. They cut it back to seven rounds, obviously, now. But he had an eighth round back then. But for him to be what he was, and I think we can safely say coming out of nowhere, as a seventh rounder, you're not an elite prospect. And the crazy thing is, that was a 2000 draft. Yeah. New Yorkers were stoked about a goalie that got drafted that year, weren't they, Paul? I think so. Mr. Mr. DiPietro, number one overall. Still getting paid, going baby. To the aisle. Still, getting, still uh, making he is, bank. He is, he is still getting paid. <laughs> he's unlike, the Bobby, uh, Mike he's, Milbury. He's the Bobby Bonilla of NHL, baby. Uh, God bless him for that. But no, I, you, you look at the numbers. He holds 50, 5-0 individual records for the New York Rangers. And with all due respect to Mike Richter, some of the other incredible players that have been in the blue paint for the blue shirts, I don't know that anyone did it as well as he did. And I think that his longevity and the career numbers that he put up in volume speak to that. And it's a shame that he never got a ring. Um, but it'll be, it'll be great to see his jersey going up in the rafters where it belongs at Madison Square Garden. Uh, as someone who has watched great players go somewhere else and finish their career, lots of talk in Chicago about whether 1988 finished their careers here. We're watching Duncan Keith in an Oilers jersey right now. You watch Larmer win a cup with your Rangers. We watched Savard move on. He came back. Chelios go to Detroit. Gag reflex. Um, <laughs> I, it, I, guys like him, you don't want to see him in another jersey. And so I think there's a little bit of exhale that Hank never stepped on the ice for the Caps from a Rangers fan perspective because it would have looked weird. I mean, I think we've adjusted to the idea of Tom Brady playing for the Buccaneers, but Henrik Lundqvist was the New York Rangers. And I'm glad that he never wore another jersey, even though he signed with the, with the Caps. Um, and I'm glad that they're putting 30 up there uh, because it feels like, because of the pandemic, it feels like he's been gone forever. Um, so it feels like this is overdue, which is crazy to say because he really hasn't been gone that long. Yeah, no. Yeah. Rangers are catching up with the Predators as far as hoisting banners into the rafters there. I wish we had some yeah, more Stanley Cup yeah, banners but, up there yeah, but instead it's, of jersey yeah, but numbers. It's not, but the Rangers aren't raising a banner for <laughs> selling like the third hottest chili in the National Hockey League <laughs> and having a 12-game sellout streak that didn't Big and Rich's 17th performance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, waiting for, I'm waiting for the Predators to put up, like, an original 30 banner. Oh, there you um, go. Don't give me any but, ideas, man. <laughs> I mean, they, they might. They might. Uh, but, no, I, there needs to be a 30 in the rafters at MSG, and Friday night it'll be there for the rest of time. So kudos to Hank. Uh, stay gorgeous. Stay healthy. <laughs> stay luscious. And, and looking forward, I mean, what what are we have we gotten over under on the price tag on the suit he wears tomorrow night? Oh man, eighty five hundred bucks. Does that feel good? Well, it, yeah. I tell you, the fans are paying well, out a lot to go shoes? see it. The fans are paying a lot to go see oh, it. I'll tell yeah. you that much. And, and, and you know the crazy thing, Paul? That's actually a really compelling game. Yeah, the Minnesota Wild at the New York Rangers. That's a yeah. game that you'd actually want to watch. Zuke, Zuccarell and Hank it, might have a. No, they might break down crying at Center Ice. You know, no, no, nobody's paying. 500 bucks to watch the Minnesota wild with all due respect to the Minnesota wild <laughs> with all due respect to it actually being a game that you'd want to watch. 
ain't nobody paying 500 bucks to watch the Minnesota Wild. They're going for the pregame show. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, I mean, I, I, if, I, if I was out there, I'd, I'd pay to go to the, the big party that Lundquist's foundation is throwing at MSG. I mean, that looks like it'll be a good time. Uh, I'm, I, I would not dress well enough to be at Hank Lundquist's party. <laughs> uh, I probably couldn't afford the cocktails, but I would love to be there because Lundquist is one of those guys like, look, we've got a really rich history between the pipes here in Chicago. It's like we've, we, we've had middle linebackers and goalies, and everything else has been a little bit of a clown show. But So you, you kind of develop this love affair with the position a little bit as a fan watching guys. And Lundquist was always a goaltender that I loved to watch. And as someone in another market, frankly, in another conference, um, I think that speaks volumes to what this guy meant to the New York Rangers organization. So I'm looking forward to watching that ceremony tomorrow night. Yeah, good times on hand uh, here at the Garden here on Friday night, no doubt about it. All right, uh, we're going to stay in New York here. Um, I'm taking my kid to see his first Islanders game here on Saturday. It'll be uh, my first... uh, visit to the new arena here, UBS, right here in Elmont, which is about uh, 20 minutes from where I'm based here on Long Island. Um, so we're excited for that. We're hoping the snowstorm stays way out east. No disrespect to our friends out in Montauk and the Hamptons, but uh, we hope we get this game uh, going here for uh, my kid. And, and obviously the Islands playing pretty well of late, too. The Kraken coming in should be a lot of fun. Afternoon matinee, uh, good times on tap. Uh, the Islanders, uh, unfortunately, got some sad news with Clark Gillies passing away last week. Um, I was talking to Joe about it earlier, Tab, and you know, uh, you know, growing up here in Long Island, being a Rangers fan, growing up with that dynasty team, um, you know, they broke my heart as, as a kid years ago. But grew to love and respect them and what they did here for Long Island. I had the pleasure of meeting Clark a couple of times, doing a couple of podcasts with Butchie over the years. He was a great ambassador for the team. Uh, the last couple of years with the Islanders getting into the playoffs, uh, you know, obviously last year too, the, the great run against the Bolts and stuff, a lot of fun at the Coliseum. Those crowds, we talked about it here last year, they were, they were like the, the seventh guy on the ice. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's amazing when you think of game five and, and then uh, just some, some great stuff uh, that went on last year. But anyway, I just want to throw, uh, when, when you hear the name Clark Gillies, uh, what do you think of? Old school champion. You know, you, you think about some of the great players of, and, and even though the, their championships were starting the 80s, you know, you look back at even like the 70s. And in my mind, and I'll, I'll be fully transparent here, I was born in 1980. So a lot of what I watched of those championship runs has come a little bit later in life as I dig back and just enjoy the history of the game. But I look back at Clark Gillies, and from, I, I imagine that there's like a toothless Mount Rushmore with Clark Gillies uh, <laughs> like front and center. And you probably got Bobby Clark on there with him. And, but but I, I, I look, you look at some of the great the guys that you consider to be great leaders in the game, and I feel like there was kind of this evolution and growth, and you saw leadership go kind of you had Clark and Gillies, and then you saw it kind of morph into kind of this era where everybody was looking at what Mark Messier was doing in Edmonton and then with your Rangers. And guys who had no problem running a guy into the third row, and if you needed three goals, they'd go get you two and set up the third. 
mm-hmm. or score for themselves. And, you know, when you look back at all of the stuff that people have said about him, I think my perspective growing up a Blackhawks fan in Chicago is, again, kind of that classy champion, did anything to win kind of guy. But then when you read the stories, all these tributes from guys that played with him, played against him, guys on the Islanders now, almost nothing was about him on the ice. Everything was about Clark Gillies was the Islanders. After he played, he was the Islanders. You know, you, you, you go watch the press conferences the night that they found out that he passed and pretty emotional stuff from some of those guys yep. on the current roster yep. who in their mid-20s were born, what, 20 years after the guy left? Um, pre- pretty remarkable legacy that he left behind with the Islanders. And um, I think that the, the club and the NHL both did a, a really nice job in paying tribute to him. But, you know, it, it's... It's tough when you have guys like that leave. And, you know, in Chicago, uh, last year we lost Mr. Esposito. Yeah, Tony, yep. And and I think he was another guy kind of in that mold of when you think about that era, that 70s to mid-80s group um, on the old school teams that used to beat the hell out of each other. You know, that another one where that was back in the day when – these guys weren't getting paid millions of dollars to be a professional athlete. They were a hockey player. Yep. And they had to, and if they wanted to stay in the market, they had to make themselves, you know, indelible brands unto themselves, but really tie themselves to the fan base so that the fans wanted them there. And Clark Gillies got that. And he never left that community, even when he retired. Uh, And so reading some of the tributes, it was really powerful to see, guys talking about, you know, he was always at the team bowling tournament and, you know, the way that he was involved with different organizations in the community and the way that he kept giving back and the way that his, you know, like Lundquist, you know, the way that his foundation continues to help those who are less fortunate and the way that he really didn't stop doing that when he stopped playing, but really extended his legacy well beyond the ice by helping so many people. I think the Clark Gillies Foundation will continue to be an impact in the New York area because he cared so much and he left behind people who were in his life and whose life he was a big part of that care so much about what he cared about because they cared about him and he cared about them. And nothing speaks more to someone's legacy than what he leaves behind. And he left behind a lot of smiles uh, a lot of records and a lot of, you know, bruised egos, bruised faces, chipped teeth. But he left a lot of warm hearts behind. And, and I think that's the best thing that you can say about someone when they're no longer with us. Clark Gillies was a hell of a hockey player, but he was a better ambassador for the game. Yeah, no, uh, just a, a super guy. Uh, him, uh, Nystrom, Bossy, and, and Butchie were the four main guys who pretty much hung around here on the island. Obviously, Butchie working with MSG and the TV crew and stuff, and and Bossy was a big part of um, you know public relations there. I know um, Bossy himself is is fighting through some health issues, and uh, Nystrom here too. Just a just a super guy, you know. Um, you know, he was on my kid brother's Islanders podcast uh, beginning of the season two. You know, just happy to be in the community, happy to to be amongst the fans, and I think 
that was the big shock the other night too. Um, you know, because it was nobody knew that Clark was struggling there uh, health wise, and because he is somebody who's around the team and the locker room and all that other stuff. So it was just a yeah, kind of a blow there. And uh, again, a kid like me growing up on Long Island, uh, totally um, respect and loving the guy. But yeah, uh, you nailed it, man. He's just uh, well, and the, and the other thing too, you know, and and this is one of the things that I think guys of our age ages miss now with free agency we're talking you know we spent the first you know 70 percent of this conversation talking about who's going to go where who's going to finish their career where flurry going back to pittsburgh should he go to washington how would pittsburgh fans feel about that there's no and the cliche with hockey fans is if gretzky can get traded anyone can get traded yeah um but with free agency and the salary cap now, the idea of career permanence is nearly dead. You know, you've got guys like Ovechkin and Crosby, who I don't know will ever go anywhere else. Um, you've got guys like Dowdy and Kopitar out in L.A. that have put in a lot of years, but you don't know if they'll finish them there. Mm-hmm. We already brought up 1988 in Chicago. Duncan Keith is already gone. Um but you look back at those Islander teams, and I, it, it, I, I was kind of put back in my seat a little bit. There were seventeen guys that won all four championships together. Hmm. Seventeen. Wow. And you know, from a Chicago perspective, I look at the burndown that the Hawks had after they won in twenty ten, and you know, they didn't have seventeen roster stalls filled with prospects included when they got done shipping everybody out. So, you know, the idea that they had that many guys play together for that long, I think, and succeed to the level that they did, they were a legit dynasty. Um, you know, you understand how these guys have such an incredible bond and the relationships that they developed and obviously guys move and not every one of those guys finished their career with the Islanders. But when you do what you did there, you go home. And you stay home. It's like Jim Kelly in Buffalo. He didn't win a Super Bowl, but he got to four. And he's become a part of the Buffalo community. And you look at Gillies and the fact that he had so many of those guys around for so many wins. You tie each other together. And it's not just having your the letters of your name stamped on Lord Stanley's Cup, but it's the relationships. And I think that that's why you saw such an outpouring. And so many people in the broadcast booth on the ice in the community just really getting hit, like you said. It, it hit a lot of people really hard because he never went away. And so many athletes take time away, go do their own thing, just want to play golf. He didn't. Yeah, He was an Islander for life. And it's really, uh, really impressive the way that he was the face of the Islanders well beyond his playing career. Yeah, good stuff, man. Um, I want to switch over to a couple other guys, too. Uh, you brought up Dowdy there before. He's playing uh, in a thousandth game there against the Islanders. And uh, Keith Yandel just broke uh, the old Doug Jarvis uh, consecutive game record at 965. Um, I mean, you've watched and covered Duncan Keith all these years. Um, Dowdy and Yandel, a little different as far as success-wise, you know, with regards to Dowdy with the Cups and and obviously the gold medals and everything. But uh, you got to give a little respect here for Yandel. Uh, that's, that's one... What's one hell of a, um, uh, a commitment to the game <laughs> amongst all the teams he's played on? A record that would have been owned by Steve Larmer if Ooh. the Blackhawks had treated him right. 
Let's not forget that the only reason his Iron Man streak ended was because he told old man words to go play in traffic. Uh, hashtag retire 28. Lammer yes. should be in the rafters, much like Henrik is going to be retired by the Rangers. Uh, sorry, that's your weekly retire Steve Lammer's number, please, Blackhawk soapbox <laughs> moment presented by Tab Bamford. Um, no, I, look, you look at some of these streaks, and in Chicago, you know, I talked about the goalies. Glenn Hall playing in as many games as he did without a mask. Ridiculous. But and, and the fact that Phil Kessel's what, like 15 games behind him? Yeah. Like, you've got two guys that have moved around a lot um, and played the game hard, played the game well, and never missed a beat. And when you start talking about Iron Man, obviously everybody looks at Cal Ripken. Um, the grind of 162 games, it's twice as many games as hockey players play. A lot of them are during the day. Baseball is a different grind than hockey. Uh, every once in a while, Cal Ripken would have a sore knee or pulled hammy or he'd get hit on the hand by a fastball. That's tough. Keith Yandel's a defenseman blocking shots. Mm-hmm. He's got nine, He's Taking got ru- rubber coming at him at 100 miles an hour multiple times a day. He's getting plowed into the wall multiple times a day. And he's out there every single day. And so when you start looking at these at these streaks and, you know, full respect to what Phil Kessel's put together as a forward as well, it's really impressive because we're in a day and age now where we're talking in other sports about load management. Pitchers don't throw 200 innings anymore. Position players in baseball give you 140 out of 162 and you're thrilled. Basketball players are giving you 60 and you're ecstatic. Um, you don't feel like it. You're not going to get vaccinated. You, you, you know, you got a sore toe, whatever. Um, so anytime you see a guy breaking a longevity mark, staying on the ice, especially when people keep signing your paycheck for that long, it's really impressive. So uh, full respect to Mr. Yandel for what he's been able to do. And for Dowdy, again, a defenseman, he's gotten his ass kicked a lot. He's been banged up a lot. And he's been through some wars, man. I mean, those playoffs back in the early half of this decade when the Kings and Blackhawks saw each other, felt like every year in the conference final, uh, he's put in a lot – there's a lot of miles on the tires with him. And so for a guy like him to get to 1,000 games, you know, we saw it with Keith and Seabrook here in Chicago. Kaner did it. You know, Jonathan Taves is getting close to it. Um, 1,000 games for a guy that plays the rugged physical style of defense that Drew Doughty does is really impressive. So uh, stick tap to Drew Doughty for hitting 1,000. That'll be, you know – Something that, you know, the uh, the Isles can, you know, give him a little moment of love for as well. And I'm sure that they will because the Isles have always done a nice job of recognizing when something special happens on the other side of the rink. So um, it'll be fun to see that also. Uh, but, you know, it'll be something to uh, to see on, on television and appreciate. But, yeah, Doughty, Yandel, nice record, really solid career. I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame. Drew Doughty's a Hall of Famer for me. Not a question. And so good for him for hitting a 1,000. It's a significant mark, uh, and I'm sure they'll do something special for him at whatever they've renamed the artist formerly known as the Staples Center. <laughs> the, the, the Crypto.com Gesundheit Farfignugan rink by the Overpass Arena or whatever it is out there in L.A. now. 
Yeah. Got to give my guy Dennis Bernstein some crap over that. Uh, absolutely, man. Going to the, the love... crypt, huh? How's that yeah. working out for you? <laughs> Live from the crypt with DB. Good stuff. I love the silver lids, though. I, I love the so – it was great to see them the other night. Great game there so between you, so Rangers and Kings. So you're a fan of the platinum lids because I, I, social media is kind of a mixed bag on those. I dig them, man. I dig them. I mean, I I mean like there, there's a – when I see them wearing them – I, I'm kind of waiting for like the Ninja Turtles to come out and avenge whatever they're trying to do. Um, again, aging myself by saying that. Uh, you know, I, I will say this: the first time Notre Dame wore the the football helmet like gold buckets was outdoors at Soldier Field when they hosted a couple college games outside at Soldier Field, and the sun was out and the sun was bright, and those things were shining like the dome in South Bend. Yeah. And it was impressive. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Platinum Domes, I like them. I think they look good. Um, but it, it's a mixed bag. The, the reaction of those Platinum Buckets for the Kings is a mixed bag. I do like, however, uh, that they're going with the white Gretzky-era yeah. jerseys with it. Yeah. I think that's a sharp look for the Kings. Yeah, it's nice, man. It's nice. They're not doing too shabby out there as well, too. Hanging around there in that uh... – Western Conference there over there with your boys and the Blackhawks and stuff like that. Um, I do want to get into uh, one or two more things here before I let you go, Tab. Um, obviously, uh, racism in sports uh, still hanging around. Racism in life, unfortunately, it's a, it's a terrible, disgusting thing. Um, I want to just kind of get your take on I, I, PK's after-game speech on you know the incident that happened with his, his uh, younger brother there down in the ECHL. And I, was, I brought this up with Joe, too. Um, I've always liked uh, PK, always respected him. I think he did great things for Montreal um, on and off the ice. Uh, same thing in Nashville, on and off the ice as far as community player. Um, you know, uh, he gets a, you know, maybe deservedly so with the slew foot and everything else, uh, but it's a small little piece of his his long-term commitment to the game and, and what he's done for, um, you know, a, a lot of people off the ice too. Anyway, you get into this situation where with this um, happening with his, his brother, I I thought the the speech was incredibly mature uh, and incredibly impressive in terms of his comments and how he handled that the other day. And I just kind of wanted to to get your take on it here as well, too, as far as, uh, unfortunately, the ugly head of racism uh, bearing itself here in, in, in one of our favorite games. And, unfortunately, it happens too often in, in all of sports. Yeah, and I think... In addition to daily life, obviously. Yeah, well, look, I, first uh, to PK's comments... Um, He's been a very eloquent, outspoken leader when discussing race in the game of hockey for a long time. And so had this happened anywhere in North America, he's a guy that's not going to let it get tucked under the rug by the media. He's going to make sure that we talk about it because the more it's talked about, the more it's dealt with, the more we get rid of it. And that's what needs to happen. Uh, but this wasn't another kid in the ECHL. This was his brother. And it was a lot closer to home, obviously, for PK. And I thought that he conducted himself incredibly well. Um, I'm sure that he probably had stronger words than he initially tweeted or then shared with the media later. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the kid that... Uh, was at the uh, was on the delivering end of the 
disgusting actions uh, earlier this morning, suspended for the rest of the year by the ECHL after his contract got ripped up by Jacksonville, who Jacksonville won. Anson Carter's comments last night on TNT were spot on. You see the video from the stands that was being circulated, and you hear the N-word coming from the stands, too. And Jacksonville as an organization, their initial statement was, we're going to let the ECHL review it and see what they come up with, which is garbage. It's BS. Lots of bigger words that we won't share on a family program. But it was a trash move by a garbage player, and I don't care what his statement is. Puts a little video out on Twitter. At, at your toughest, darkest moments, we find out what your true character is. And what we found out is that that kid is a racist piece of crap. And that wasn't a tough, dark moment. That was a fight on the ice. You're a hockey player. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being in the ECHL, which is the second tier minor league, um, I would guess that his hockey career is probably done, at least as a professional in North America. Um, and it should be. You do that in the ECHL, go to hell. Get out of here. We're done. Uh, Jacksonville as an organization responding the way that they did was weak. It was pathetic. And they should be ashamed of themselves for not taking a stronger stance. And Anson Carter's comments on the air last night that were absolutely spot on, the fans that were throwing the N-word at him, that's trash too. And the organization needs to step up for their players and other players and condemn that kind of language coming from the stands uh, because it's way too frequent. And the game of hockey is better when more people are included in it. And that's not a way to build an inclusive sport. It's trash and it doesn't have a place. So it was heartbreaking to see it. Um, Sadly, uh, when you see stuff like that in the game of hockey, uh, it's not as surprising as it should be. It's disappointing. Like, here we go again. And it shouldn't be. Uh, And for anybody that has questions about that and the culture, uh, I I suggest you read a book that came out late last year by a buddy of mine, Evan Moore. Uh, It's titled Game Misconduct. Uh, And it really digs deep into the dirty, awful race issues that hockey has as a sport. Um, Game Misconduct by Evan Moore. It's a really good book. Uh, I I did an event with Evan and Jay Zawaski here in Chicago with our three books, two about the Hawks and then Evans about uh, race in the game. And, and we had some tough conversations about it. And he's a great guy. Did a marvelous job on that book. And it was not an easy book to write, let me tell you. Um, as a black guy trying to break into the game and enjoy playing the game as an adult, mm-hmm. uh, he's dealt with some crap on his end as well. Uh, and it's a thing that not everybody's comfortable talking about but it's a subject that we need to, to so that we can get rid of it. Um, so we need to we need to not put a Band-Aid on that bullet hole. We need to rip that Band-Aid off as many times as we can to put light on that darkness in the game because that is an awful reality within hockey. And I think ho- hockey's got a much worse uh, issue with it right now than many other sports do, unfortunately. And I think the NHL needs to step up and be more vocal about it as well. So... Um, I thought PK was a, was his usual class act with 
uh, with an asterisk next to it because it was his brother on the receiving end, mm-hmm. which undoubtedly made it harder to be as composed as he was. Um, but we need to get rid of it. The game needs to be better. We as human beings need to be better, and I've got no time and patience for people making excuses for that because it's crap. And there are harder words that I would use, but this is a family program, but I've got no patience for it. Get it out of the game. Get it out of your life. And don't don't bring it around the rink. Don't bring it around your kids. Don't bring it around people you care about. Be better than that. Agree with you, brother. Appreciate your words. Good stuff. All right, Tab, last thing before I let you go. We're at the halfway mark of this uh, 2021-2022 campaign. Um, you know, looking at the uh, the top teams here, yeah, I just don't understand. Uh, I mean, I know we talked about Hank and, and other players and stuff, but uh, my Rangers are just playing really darn well here, and I just don't know if uh, I'm feeling the love from uh, the rest of you guys in the hockey world, but I'll get over it. But um, in, in all seriousness. Well, now. to that end, in all seriousness, and I wrote this at Elite Sports New York yesterday, NHL.com's got their midseason awards, and they're polling their 16 writers. Kale McCarr is special. I'm not taking anything away from Kale McCarr <laughs> or Victor Hedman or Roman Yossi. But to have Adam Fox Foxy. fourth in your Norris Trophy polling, come on. I know. You write for the league's website, which is based in New York. Give me a freaking break. He leads, he leads defensemen in points in the NHL right now. Again, I think McCarr is going to run away with it this year, but if Adam Fox it doesn't finish in the top three, the voters are getting it wrong. Sorry. He's they a special are. kid, man. He, he, he runs that table out there. What a goal he scored in the shootout the night. Pick. I'm sure that GM's doing well, right? Yeah, right. No, I, <laughs> it's good stuff. Hey, look, we're, we're lucky here. We're enjoying the ride here with the Rangers, everything they've been through here in the last uh, season here from – from Quinn to Gallant and everything else in between. But uh, seriously, just looking at, um, you know, the top 10 teams here, you, you know, you can go Colorado, you can go Florida, Tampa Bay here, Pittsburgh, Carolina, Rangers in that mix. I mean, surprisingly seeing the Preds there, or or should we not be surprised? Uh, the Leafs up there, St. Louis Capitals, Minnesota, Vegas, Boston, Anaheim, the Kings, and Calgary rounding out the 16 and 17 down there. Um you know, if there's one or two teams here that stand out for you or, you know, or, you know, you think they can go either one way or the other here uh, at the halfway mark, I'm not going to ask you to predict trades or whatever, but maybe you can just even keep it simple for me. What's the team that stands out for you that looks impressive or um, these guys are great, but uh, keep an eye on this. That might be their, um, you know, their anchor down the road. I think Colorado. I mean, you've won 17 straight at home. They're 19-2-1 and one on their home ice. And they're playing well enough in a Western Conference that is really mediocre. I think the most people thought Vegas would run away with the Pacific, and they're not. Uh, I mean, Vegas would be fourth in the Central, and they're in first in the Pacific. Um, so I think Colorado is, to me, the eye test. It tells me Colorado is far and away the best team in the Western Conference. And they're just going to keep putting it on people and kicking people's ass and taking names. And Joe Sackick's going to be able to have some fun tinkering with this thing. And apologies to your son's Islanders, but getting two twos for Devin Taves is an absolute highway robbery. <laughs> um, point per game guy. They've got a plus 50 goal differential, as we talked today. Don't have a regulation loss in their last 10. For me, Colorado's far and away the best team in the West. It sounds like they understand where they're at and what it's going to take. And the Sackick isn't going to necessarily stand pat at the deadline. If he can find that one or two missing pieces to finish the puzzle out there, 
And then the other two teams that continue to impress me, I think the Florida Panthers, the other team in the league that's got a plus 50 goal differential, uh, 21-3-0 and at home. Ridiculous. Um, they just keep rolling. You look at the that division with Tampa, Toronto, Boston, running out the top four. They're up there at the top with 63 points. And... I, with everything else going on in the game, I think people forget too quickly that Joel Quinville was suddenly and surprisingly fired earlier this year, and they haven't missed a beat. Yep. So so kudos to the leadership in that room, guys like Ekblad uh, and Huberto. Just the consistency that they've been able to play with has been really impressive. And then the other one, you know, with respectfully to your Rangers, Carolina – who have four games in hand on your Rangers and they're two points back with a plus 46, plus 46 goal differential. That plus 46 is in 39 games, by the way. So they're right there with Florida and Colorado when it comes to being a, a shutdown defensive team. They've given up 94 goals in 39 games. And this is, this is a Carolina team at the beginning of the year. We're looking at them and we're like, they've got horses. This is a team that's built around Ferraris. They've got everything they want. But they, Dougie Hamilton left. Yeah. How are they going to replace him? Nadelkovic, finalist for the Calder last year. They just, he's gone. He's in Detroit now. What the hell are they going to do in goal? And here they are with a plus 46 goal differential, 58 points in 39 games, putting pressure on Pittsburgh and the Rangers, uh, and actually three points up on Washington. They got five games in hand on the Caps right now. Those are the Anderson three teams. And Tony D answered those questions. Oh, yeah, he loves answering questions, especially from New York media. Well, so I'm uh, just talking on the ice. Carolina, they answered those two questions that you just had as far as those two, two positions. What were they going to do in Nets, and what were they going to do losing uh, a top D guy? Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes character doesn't matter, so we'll go yeah. give D'Angelo a contract. But with all that being said, the three teams that really make me want to turn the television on if it's not a Blackhawks game right now, Florida, Carolina, Colorado. Those are the three teams that my eyes are on. If we're, if, you know, and I'll have power rankings for the fourth period tomorrow. Those, I would imagine those three are at the top of my list. Uh, and Colorado's been one for a while. I had them one preseason. Uh, they slipped for a while when they were banged up. You know, we're going to see what happens with McKinnon's face last night with yep. uh, that debacle with him sticking himself uh, with a nice clean, should not have been a penalty hit by Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though Landis Gug's still going to chase him around for 20 minutes. Uh, but Colorado's been through some injuries. They've dealt with some COVID stuff. They haven't missed a beat. They're dominant. They are far and away the best team in the West. And then I, I want, you know, Carolina and Florida last year in the same division with the Blackhawks. It was fun watching them. If you enjoyed good hockey and didn't hope the Blackhawks would look good because they didn't against either one of them last year. But I think that, that those two being in the same division last year gave them a little bit of a friendly rivalry now. Mm-hmm. And in different divisions, I could very easily see those two fighting for conference supremacy at the end of the season. It's going to be fun, man. Here we go. We're over that halfway mark, and uh, a couple of teams on the bottom end of the league are catching up. But Unless you're the Islanders, who have only played 35 still. Yeah. Well, they, they look, they're winning. That's all they can do, right? That's you got time to fans- make it up. We'll see, man. It's going to be, uh, I don't know. They might be uh, needing a couple pieces at the trading deadline, too. I don't know if they can do it, though. We'll see what happens, man. 
But that's the great get thing about the game. Get that white herb soup strainer back on Clutterbuck's face. <laughs> And we're in business. We'll see. Like Tam- Samson with the hair. He shaved and they lost an edge. He needs the mustache back. <laughs> Get the Ted Lasso back on there. All right, brother. Great stuff as always. Appreciate your time here on THS. Have a great weekend, man. And we'll catch up with you on the Twitter as we always do here. Thanks so much, brother. Yeah, stay safe. Enjoy the aisles with your kid. And hopefully we've got some good hockey to talk about heading into the All-Star game next week. Sounds good, brother. Ted Baffert, ladies and gentlemen, from Chicago. Right here on THS. THS rolls out. Well, all right. Look at us. We're going to take a, a quick, deep left and go down south to the great state of Texas. Home of them cowboys. We ain't playing football anymore. We're bringing back our good buddy. He used to be out on the West Coast, the left coast, well, the best coast. He's now down south. Running with I'm the Cowboys, up. the real ones. Steve Palumbo, what's up, buddy? Welcome back to THS and a belated Happy New Year, brother. Happy New Year, buddy. How are you? I'm good, man. Great to hear your voice again, brother. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm on the Gulf Coast now, not on the West Coast. I'm on the Gulf Coast. The Gulf Coast. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to come up with a new jingle for you, pal. <laughs> Either way, buddy, it's great to have you back. Uh, we missed you here, uh, just kicking things back up here on THS. And obviously, uh, uh, how was your holidays? Everything good? Families, every, everybody's doing well? Everyone's settling in, man. It's a totally different lifestyle. It's a, it's a different climate, which we're getting used to. But uh, for so far, so good, man. Good, man. Good to hear it. All right, man. Well, let's uh, let's bop around. We'll talk some puck. We got a bunch of things I'm throwing around at, uh, you know, Joe and Tab were on earlier, and uh, I'm going to hit you with it as well, too. Um, I mean, let's start off with the abs that you cover, and, and then we'll, um, I want to talk a little Devils, too, but I also want to talk about PK and um, yeah. you know his comments after his brother Jordan down there. We're both big fans of PK, and uh, you know we talked about this with Tab and Joe, too, and um, we'll get into that a little bit as well. But um, the abs, man, uh, rolling um, wild game last night against Boston. McKinnon gets uh, – a little bloody and stuff like that. But just in general, um, you know, just covering this team, man, I would just ask Tab before I got on with you, halfway mark, asking him, like, you know, who do you think is going to, you know, run with this here the rest of the way and a couple of top teams. And, you know, for for all the money uh, that he has, it, it's about the avalanche. Why don't you kind of take us in there and, and you covering the team and everything for Hockey Buzz, where you feel about this team right now at the halfway mark and looking ahead. You know, what's interesting is, you know, we've seen teams go on runs like this in the past. They, you know, very rarely does the team that wins the president trophy end up winning the Stanley Cup, primarily because they don't face a whole lot of adversity during the regular season. Uh, but I can argue that in the first half of the season, the Avalanche have dealt with all sorts of different types of adversity from injuries to the COVID situation to uh, the, you know, having to come back, the goalie situation up and down. They've dealt with a little bit of everything, and this team, time after time, has been resilient, has rebounded, has found ways to win. Last night, another example of it. They're down big. McKinnon gets a hit, doesn't return. Somehow this team finds a way to get the goals when needed. The captain comes through as the clock's winding down. Then you got uh, Mr. Clutch, Kale McCarr, uh, Bobby Orr Jr., scoring again in overtime. <laughs> and and since November, since this winning streak at home has begun and, and – and the way the team has been playing, 
you know, you can point to all the goals they've been scoring. They're still on, on a, you know, a record pace as far as goals in, in today's NHL. Uh, but you can look at, at how, how much the, the, the goaltending situation has changed for them. When Pavel Frankus returned to the lineup, gave them that solid backup to Darcy Kemper, Kemper started getting comfortable. Both these guys have been lights out, outstanding. They've got the team's first three shutouts have come during this last eight-game winning streak. Um, both guys have been fantastic uh, when they needed to be, keeping them in games, allowing them to do what they did last night, which is come back from multi-goal deficits, which they've done ha- at least half a dozen times over the last 10 games. Um, so it's just been really incredible. This is a team that, that has already you know, got their bumps and bruises, and to me, they are a legit Stanley Cup favorite, hands down. All right, Steve. Now, obviously, it's like anything else, right? We're gonna we're gonna wait. I mean, the Alves, like anybody else, you got to prove everything in the playoffs. Um, you know, thirty win season so far. Like I said, yeah. everything's starting to work out. You bring up some great points in terms of how they've uh, dealt with a lot of adversity since getting knocked out last year from, you know, from Vegas and all the expectations that they had on the team and everything else. Is there something you know with everything that you said right now? Are you not concerned about the playoffs, or is that really just maybe a silly thing to ask anybody because you know when the puck drops in May, anything can happen in the NHL playoffs, especially in the first round. But you got to imagine, you know, guys like McKinnon uh, last year saying they haven't won a damn thing here yet. And, and sometimes right. sometimes getting that that loss, that experience, it, it makes you strong, it makes you better. Am I safe to assume with everything you just said that maybe that's going to happen with the Avalanche this year? They're going to take all this stuff and most of the championship teams do that. Uh, I mean, when you think they're supposed to, when they don't, and then they come back better either a year or two later. Yeah, I, I kind of think that's where we are with this team. They've they've had their, you know, their playoff setback similar to what happened at Tampa Bay before. We, you know, we've obviously seen what they have done. I think that this this team is more mature. Uh, I think they're more focused. I think they've got their eye on the prize. And, and I don't think for one bit, nor should any hockey fan in general think that they're going to go into the playoffs and roll over. I mean, just look in their own division. There's a up and down that line, that uh, entire division. There's just tough teams. Um, and, you know, at any given day, you can lose a hockey game. You, you could be the best team playing against the worst team um, and you can lose a game. And I don't think that Colorado is going to go in with the mindset that, hey, looking towards conference finals, hey, looking towards a cup. I think for these guys, it's going to be that that super cliche one game at a time. Not until we have four wins that we think about the next series and you move forward and that's the way they're going to they're gonna look at it. And don't think for one minute that Jared Bednar is going to let them get ahead of themselves. Like we've talked about before, he's an excellent coach. He has his team grounded. And just like them, he's focused on just accomplishing their goals, getting to the playoffs healthy, and then you know taking it one game at a time, one series at a time, until they reach that pinnacle. This team is in a situation right now that they not only not necessarily do they have to win, but they're going to look different. I mean, they're coming up against it with the cap. This is Nazem Kadri's last season. He's going to hit the free agent market. He got himself a new agent looking to, to cash in on the season he's having. So this is a team that's built to win right now, and I think they're they're focused on that, and, and they're not going to you know get too ahead of themselves. Yeah, look, it's it's just a super talented team. You know, uh, you think about the old '90s Avs and. You know, when they started out there and, you know, I was lucky enough to be out in Colorado when they, they moved out there from Quebec and won that championship and, and, and all the names and then, you know, the um, just uh, the history that they built out there in Colorado. And, you know, they've gotten a little close here in, in years past and everything, and, and you have all this young talent and the prospect, but you can kind of feel, and they're proving it on the ice. They're a monster. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, you look at the rest of the conference here and, and, and who they might end up playing and stuff. Um, at least to get to the finals, they're, they're pretty much a giant freight train. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't want to be up, come up against them. Look, if you look up and down this lineup and you look at the, the depth scoring that they're getting, they're, they lead the league in, in points from de- defense. They've got four lines that can score. You know, Alex Newhook, the guy is a, is a stud, a young kid. He's down in bottom six. He's scoring goals. Guys like Barakowski, Kadri, 55 points. I mean, up and down this lineup, these guys are as deadly as they can be. You got Devontae's, Sam Gerrard, Kale McCarr. Uh, uh, who am I forgetting? Who am I forgetting the black kid? Anyway, the defense is stacked. And, I'm sorry I wasn't okay. there to back you up, Steve. I apologize. <laughs> I was just about to bring the roster up. <laughs> <laughs> but all I'm saying is that this team can beat you in a million different ways, and and they're just they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I, I think that they are a team that deserves to win the Stanley Cup, and I'm just hoping that they can they they do enough to get there. Yeah, and you know what? No matter how it ends up here towards the end of the year, I mean. You know, you look at Minnesota, you look at Calgary, uh, Dallas maybe kind of maybe getting in the mix here. We'll see what happens. Uh, the Kings have been playing, you know, t- decent. The Ducks are will be interesting. Vegas is always going to, uh, you know, uh, be a team that you got to respect. St. Louis, uh, you know, they still have some of that uh, championship uh, quality in them in there. Nashville, I think, is quietly surprising everybody, or maybe not because they have talent on the team. It's just a matter of it all. Uh, kind of coming together down there too. So the Avs, yes, you know, and I think that's the great thing about hockey, Steve, and that's why we love it so much because you can talk about a super monster team here, but this seven-game series, man, up against any of these <laughs> other seven teams is going to be – it's not going to be easy. No, no, not at all, not at all. Like That's what I was saying. Like these these teams and the, the ones that end up making it to the playoffs, I mean, just look at the NHL in general right now. The teams that are in playoff positions are all really good teams. It, you know, there's there's no more of the the 80s, 90s hockey's where a team can kind of squeak into the playoffs, maybe upset a team, or you know, win out the last week of the season and, and go in. You really have to play solid hockey from start to finish and able to, in order to be even in the consideration for a playoff spot. So uh, anybody that you face is going to be a tough out. So um, and I think that the Colorado more than anybody realizes that because they they've been knocked out when in series that they were heavily favored to win. So. Um, you know, you can only learn from watching the Tampa Bay over the last couple of years. It takes that one big knockout uh, shock for a team to really settle in, focus, and, and realize that it's really on them to get the job done. It's not going nothing's going to be easier handed to you in this league. Yeah, and it's definitely not easy on the Eastern side of thing when you think maybe teams like Pittsburgh and Washington and Boston and, and even Tampa Bay a little bit because of all the miles they put on their skates here the last few years, and they're still just playing so damn good because they still got a lot of those great players playing on the team. You know, Pittsburgh's running off six in a row here and Washington's playing well, Boston. And, you know, uh, that doesn't make it easier. It makes it a lot harder uh, for the teams who struggled here at the beginning of the year, COVID or not, you know, everybody went through it one way or the other, obviously, uh, you know, take Islanders and the devils a little tougher for them, but, uh, and I want to swing it to the devils here a little bit. And I want to talk a little Clark Gillies with you as far as the Islanders concerned, but, um, where where are you at the halfway mark for the Devils? Just a quick little overview, and then I want to talk about one of the guys that we really respect and like a lot, and that's PKC Subban uh, talking here about unfortunate the incident that his brother had to deal with down in the ECHL. So give me a, a quick little take on where your Devils are right, right. now at the halfway point. Uh, 
Well, I think they're they're in worse shape than they were last season, you know, standings wise, record wise. Uh, I think, you know, the thing with the Devils right now, and honestly, when I watch them, it's not even about results anymore. It's not about the wins and losses at this team. It's about just making sure these players stay healthy and they continue to grow. Obviously, coming into these seasons, you you get frustrated when your team loses a bunch and you have the kind of injuries that the Devils have had to star players at, and at key times um, to kind of they lose all the momentum. They have they're shut down because of COVID and they're never able to really get their feet under them. The goaltending situation is a complete train wreck. It's totally bizarre. The way that Devils have handled Mackenzie Blackwood uh, is a joke. And I think that's one of the reasons we are in this position. The guy should never have been playing if he's that, as hurt as he, he's been, that they're saying that he's in, that now they've shut him down. You've got guys between the pipes that have never seen NHL action or, or you know, uh, Gillies, who's, who's been playing in net for them, you know, had his last NHL win was in 2018. Uh, the whole situation is just is just really ugly. Um, but on the bright side, you do have uh, guys like Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, uh, Pavel Zaka, Damon Severson's had a great season, uh, Ryan Graves. There's just a lot of fun guys out there to watch uh, play hockey. And they're, if anything, the Devils are more entertaining than they've been in recent seasons. But I think we're at the point now that it's it's this has got to be the last season that we're really uh, – thinking about just the development and what, what draft pick we're going to get. I, you know, I'm surprised that Ruff still has a job, to be honest. Um, I think this, <laughs> the, like I said, the handling of Mackenzie Blackwood has been really bad. The, the lack of adjustments and the, uh, hasn't been great. Um, I think, he, I don't think he'll be back next season. And, uh, you know, this, there's going to have to be some, some guys are going to have to be brought in uh, in the off season to get this team to be competitive because, from the fan base, fan base's perspective, um, they're they're quite literally over it, you know, over the losing, over the well, we're getting better, we're developing. I mean, we've been talking about that for the last six years, so uh, it's time to now uh, poo poo or get off the pot, as they say. Now, um, am I getting this correct? You 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 don't think Lindy Ruff will be back next year? Not at all. Wow. Not at all. Well, he does. I mean, ever since he left Buffalo, he has had kind of a short shelf life with his team, so. Maybe maybe it won't be so surprising, but uh, to hear that you from know, you, buddy, oh, that's pretty big words. If they do bring Ruff back, which, again, I don't think they will, the, I expect the whole coaching staff to be different. I mean, from the power play to the penalty kill. Things have obviously been better recently, and the team does have talent. And, you you know, we've got good news that Doug Hamilton is traveling with the team, so we, we may string a few wins together here. But I just think that at this point, the, the Devils are – it's no longer about developing. It's about filling in pieces to complement what's already on the roster. I mean, these guys are young, but some of them have been on the, in the NHL for three, four, five seasons. I mean, uh, just for Bratz, 22, this is his fourth or fifth NHL season. So, you you know, these guys know what it's like to play in the NHL. There's no more excuses. Age is not an excuse anymore. The, the league, we've talked about this before, is, is much younger. Um, so these guys need to be prepared to start winning, playing some winning hockey, play meaningful hockey, not just try to eke out points here and there or just put up a good effort. You know what I'm saying? I hear you, man. I hear you. Look, you know, we talked That's... about it the last, you know, last season here with the Devils and on THS about, you know, the the tri-state area here with the Islanders, Rangers, and the Devils and uh, looking forward to the Let... future here, you know? Yeah. In all transparency, what, what really has got me real bothered is I have the standings in front of me, and I just realized that New Jersey is 25 points behind the Rangers. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to bring it up. 
all, it's all right, pal. It's all right. Hey, look, uh, a serious note here. Um, you know, PK obviously being with the Devils as well too, and um, you know, I talked to Stephen Tab about this, the unfortunate incident with his brother, and unfortunately, racism yeah. not only in our country but in sports. Um, yep. And me and you obviously we're, we're big fans of PK. You know. Um, you know, and he's done great things in Montreal. You know, he energized those teams. He energized Nashville as a player, and he did a lot of great stuff off the ice, too. He's a great community guy as well, too. I just want yeah. to get your your take, uh, you know, watching his comments uh, after the game the other night in reference to what happened to his brother. I thought he was just incredibly mature, um, and I think it's something that everybody should watch, uh, a little bit of education from PK. I just wanted to get your take on it. You know what? I mean, he's a great ambassador for the sport. I mean, very well spoken uh he was a perfect guy for that situation to be able to speak out about it it's unfortunate what happened it's unfortunate that it happened to somebody in his own family but it was that much more personal for him um and he was able to eloquently speak on it and i think it was really um you know a sign of of what pk suban suban uh is to this league i mean he was he was a great hockey player but he's really just a great ambassador for the sport i mean the fact that he plays for you know the devils you know we know all the stuff he did in montreal and nashville but in the middle of Newark, which is, in, you know, inner city uh, around there, he just there's 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 a lot of, uh, you know, people that see PK play and, and they know that, you know, there's like he said, there's being able for other kids or, or, or uh, African-American kids to be able to look at a hockey team in their local area and see a, a guy like PK Seaman playing for them, mm-hmm. being out there talking and being like a face of the franchise. I think that's super important. Um, I just think that he's 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 in the right position at the right time. Um, to be able to do all this stuff. And I think he's a, he's a, a perfect guy for that. And I'm really proud of him. And I, I just love that he's a devil. Yeah, no, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's such a good guy. And um, like I said, I, I, everything that you echoed and, and Joe and Tab have echoed the same uh, feelings as far as him. And you wish he never had to give that, that kind of a talk the other night. And, um, but hopefully, um, like I said, I, I would, if you haven't seen it, folk watch PK, it's an education yep. and, and to understand where, um, not only pro athletes, but, you know, people of color, what they do deal with. And it's unfortunate. And, uh, again, we just, we look forward to the days when we don't have to talk about this stuff anymore, but, uh, appreciate your words and commentary on that, Steve. Um, and like I said, I know yeah, you're absolutely. a big fan and, and known him uh, for so long here and covering them and just watching them too. And, uh, so I really appreciate that stuff. Um, I want to k- stay here in New York here for two other guys that I want to get, uh, your take. Um, obviously Hank's numbers going up here. Uh, in the rafters yeah. on Friday, um, mm-hmm. you know, as much as um, I, you know, me being a Ranger fan, always love and respect uh, Brodeur as a player. Yeah. And I uh, would like to see if you can give him a, a couple of comments. I know he's not <laughs> as handsome as you, Steve, but a couple of words on Hank and his number going up. And then a couple of thoughts here on, on Clark Gillies, unfortunately passing away. And again, being from the New York tri-state area here in Jersey and Long Island, everything, uh, just what Clark Gillies when you, when you hear his name, what that means to you? As far as Hank goes, I mean, just, a, I mean, the guy just epitomized what it was to be a New York Ranger. I mean, he was good looking. He dressed well, he played well. He, you know, he always had a smile on his face. He was just a great uh, face for that team. Uh, I mean, one of the best. I mean, when I think of him, you know, going up against a, a guy like him, like you just, and you know, you were going to get the best out of him every single night. Um, a hall of famer, just a guy, you know, uh, that really uh, deserves all the accolades he's getting. And I'm glad that he's getting his just, you know, his, his due by the Rangers. He, is, he isn't a legend of this game. When you think about hockey, the goalies tend to stand out more because they, you know, 
they're on the ice the whole time. They're directly involved in all the, the great saves and the scoring out, you know, they're, they're involved in everything. And, and these guys really make our sport so special. And when you have goalies that have, you know, personality or they've got charisma, you know, Hank had all of that. And just a, just a really great, um, you know, example of what it means to be not only a, a, a hockey player, but a New York Ranger. So uh, kudos to him. And I'm, I'm really excited for him. And um, obviously uh, the passing of Clark Gillies last week, yeah. uh, very mm-hmm. sudden, um, you know, uh, telling Joe and Tab, I've the, had the pleasure of meeting him over the years here and, and doing a couple of podcast interviews with him when I was working with Butch Goring and everything. Wow. And, you know, growing up a Rangers fan here as a kid in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, you know, all those teams broke my uh, heart, obviously. But uh, Clark was great not only on the ice, but he was a great ambassador for the uh, Islanders here off the ice and, and obviously for the game and the dynasty and everything else. So I'm, I'm going to shut up. I would just love to hear what you what, what comes to your mind when you hear, hear of Clark Gillies. I mean, champion, winner, uh, New York legend. I mean, you know, when, when, when guys pass away, athletes pass away, you know, the people come out of the woodwork to, to remember them. But, man, the amount of – you know, people just coming out and talking about their interactions with Gillies, like the example you just gave, he was so personable. He would, uh, you know, people could come up to him at the games. Um, he was just one of those guys always had a smile on his face, exemplified again, what it was to be an Islander, especially in the early days there when they were, you know, winners and, um, really, you know, a face of that team. When you think of all those really good Islanders teams, he's one of the first names that comes up, um, just a great loss for our game. And uh, again, just a really charismatic guy. And, and one of those, those guys that makes our sport so special, um, they're just really easy to deal with. And, and like really guys you can almost feel like you're, you could be friends with, buddies to go have a beer with. He was just one of those, those types of, of individuals and a, and a great loss for our sport. And for the, you know, the New York tri-state area, he really was uh, one of the legends in, in the area that you and I grew up in. So. Yeah, no, well said, Steve. And the other thing, too, is you know, guys like Gillies, they, they, they garnered so much respect on the ice. And, you know, Clark was a fighter. Yeah. He was intimidating. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, two, greatest, two of the greatest, you know, line mates that he protected there, obviously, in Trots and Bossy and everything. But, you know, when you, you know, I got the chance to meet Danico uh, over the years, too, and, you know, watching him on the ice and how tough he was and playing with Stevens. Yeah. You know, a lot of the, 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 you know, the guys who fought, like guys like Joey Kosher and stuff, uh, a lot of these tough guys that you, you see on the ice – you find out Teddy they've got Bears. just these, yeah, these big hearts yeah. off the ice, man. And I think that's what hits home a lot with um, a guy like Clark Gillies and who passed away and stuff like that because you go, oh, man, I mean, such a good guy. You know, you bring up an excellent point. You know, these tough guys, you see a lot of them in TV now, too, because um, not only are they big teddy bears and really personable, but they're really smart guys. I mean, they know that they had a defined role. Gillies had a defined role. He played it to a T. Um, you know, they, they always got repetitions of being goonish type of guys, but really these are, these are some of the, the salt of the earth, finest individuals. So yeah, really excellent <laughs> point. Really excellent point. Yeah. Good stuff, man. All right. Look, I want to, uh, talk to you, uh, get your take to her as well. Look, uh, Yandel, um, 965 games. He breaks Doug Jarvis's record as far as consecutive regular season games. Yeah. Uh, just an amazing number to get to. And, 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 uh, you know, Joe and Tab reminded me about, uh, Phil Kessel is not too far behind him, which is crazy. Right. Uh, and the other guy you're very familiar with too is Drew Doughty playing in his, uh, thousandth game, which is, uh, yeah. also super too. So, uh, a little take on Yandel and, and obviously, uh, you being out in LA for all those years too, uh, your take on, uh, Doughty. Uh, reaching that milestone 
You know, it's interesting when you think about Yandel. It was what was at the beginning of this year or last year when Quenville was uh, contemplating scratching him to start the season. And what a shame that would have been to uh, have him uh, miss out on the opportunity to get the streak just because uh, a coach didn't didn't believe in him. But just to, I mean, do, do you know what it takes to to be able to to play a thousand games in the NHL? Um, you know, over a certain amount of years, but to play that many games consecutively in a position and being as rugged as he is, I mean, that all, all the kudos and props to him. It's amazing. Again, another future Hall of Fame type guy. Uh, you do stuff like that and uh, you really are um, a true legend in my eyes because this sport is not only brutal, just for my men's league, man, I can walk for a week sometimes. So <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine you know, playing a couple times a week in the NHL, blocking shots and, and doing the playing the physical game and doing that kind of stuff. So kudos. As far as Dowdy goes, I was watching the Kings game the other night and that, that toothless grin. I mean, that's what I'll remember him for. <laughs> you know, as long as he's been in this league, he still plays the game like a kid. He's effortless. The guy barely ties his skates. Next time you watch him skate, look down at his feet. They're like barely on his feet. Wow. And he's just so effortless and, um, just a, another guy out there that really just plays hard, plays and he's having fun, makes it look easy. And, you know, congratulations to him. Uh, two Stanley Cups. Uh, again, a, a guy that epitomizes what it means to be a Los Angeles uh, king, really laid back, uh, fun loving guy. So, um, man, a lot of good things happen in the NHL to, you know, in light of that, you know, the, the Subban situation. But there's still still a lot of great things going on in our sport. Yeah, man, I, I was watching the Rangers-Kings the other night. That was, uh, man, uh, I thought the, the Maple Leafs-Rangers game a week before was was my favorite win of the year. But I got to tell yeah. you, seeing Kopitar and yeah. Brown and Dowdy and Quick playing like they played back in 2014 was just like, whoa, are you kidding me? It was such a fun game. Uh, and I love the Silver Lids too, man. It was great to see them. They're, they're so smart, and they've been playing together so long. They, like... They almost have this like sixth sense. They they make it look so easy. Kopitar um, is just a magician out there, and and just man, the and the, the youth they have on that team. It's just they look they're they're a fun team to watch, and I expect them to be you know in the Rangers position in a couple seasons as good as the Rangers are right now. So um, yeah, Kings <laughs> the Kings are 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 an interesting team. I you know I was watching the Ducks game last night, and I was trying to pick apart the Ducks and figure out why the Kings aren't better than the Ducks and. And I think they'll, they'll, the Kings will jump them shortly here. But um, just uh, I, I scratch my head looking at the standings. We're talking about how bad these California teams are. Now all three of them are in, are in the, a position to, to grab a playoff spot this year. So uh, a lot of fun with the West. Yeah, I'm still not um, not sold on the Sharks yet. But I'm telling you right now, I mean, with Gibson and Quick and the Nets, <laughs> I mean, wow. Um, oh, and with a, a lot of fun young talent uh, mixed into both the Kings and the Ducks lineup, it's great to see, and it will be interesting. And that's, like I said, we've talked about it before, Colorado's going to have to stay true to their game all the way through. There's no doubt about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Steve, before Absolutely. I let Gibson, you go, go ahead. What did you say? I was going to say, just in last night's game alone, Gibson made like five saves in the third period. I was like, "What? how did he do that? <laughs> I mean, I was expecting the light to go on, but, I mean, against a team like Toronto too, and he, the guy's spectacular. So, again, back bringing it back to Colorado. You run into a goaltender like that, yep. and you know it could be curtains. 
Yeah, man. And Quick was just out of his mind against the Rangers on uh, Monday night, I think it was. It was just uh, it was so much fun to watch and a, and a great game. So, Steve, before I let you go, man, real quick, i got to ask you, you're down in Texas and stuff. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. being down there, you you know, you've obviously been on the East Coast here when we talk about Rangers Islanders and Devils and everything else. You go out to L.A. and obviously so familiar with the Kings and the Ducks and the Sharks and hockey out there. You're a big part of uh, hockey on the West Coast. That's what we know and love you for. Now you're down in Texas, um, yep. basically just with the Stars and obviously – so much football going on around here, but just a, a quick little take on on is is I, I'm not specifically where you're located, but can you find hockey? Is it interesting out there? Is it part of the news, part of the sports? I mean, the, the stars get enough coverage. Do you, if you're not uh, an average fan down there in in, in Texas, uh, do do you get enough hockey information? No, <laughs> no, not at all. Not not where I'm located. I mean, if I was closer to Dallas perhaps, but down here there's almost no coverage. I mean, I went into a target and they were selling some Dallas star stuff. So that was interesting, but there are, in order for me to go play hockey, it would be an hour and a half to two hour drive just to get to a rink. So, Oh, so you know, you're not even getting a chance to play like club hockey like you used to do, huh? No, sir. No, sir. But you know, yeah, I'm, I'm way down here, buddy. I'm way down, down here. So, um, but you know, Maybe they'll get the, uh, like I said, maybe the Coyotes will come to Houston and then I'll have a, a team local. So <laughs> We'll see. Well, look, man, I look at it this way. You're in Cali. You're in Texas. You're getting a little close to coming back home, buddy. There's lots of rings yeah, out here for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Steve, you're the best. It's so great to have you back here at THS, man. Uh, my best and love to the whole family out there and to everybody you're hanging out with down in Texas, man. We really appreciate it. And we'll uh, have a great weekend and we'll get back at you with uh, next week and we'll see how things advance here before the All-Star game. My pleasure, buddy. Talk to you soon, man. Take care. You got it. Stevie Palumbo, ladies and gentlemen, right here on THS. Great stuff, as always. Got to be interesting, man. I didn't know he wasn't getting a chance to play down there because I know Steve was uh, playing a lot of, uh, you know, club hockey too, man. That's got to be tough. But that's it. That's a wrap. THS today. January 27th. Big storm coming into the New York area here. So, look, I'll be at UBS on Saturday with my kid. Uh, I'm going to root for the island this one. I'm not going to get on a, you know, I'm a Rangers fan, but uh, I hope they score lots of goals against the Kraken. No offense to the Seattle fans, but my kid's first hockey game, man. I'm going to go nuts. It's all great stuff. But, look, thanks to uh, all you guys for listening. And thanks, as always, to my line mates, Mr. Tab Bamford, Mr. Joe Yurden, and obviously Mr. Steve Blumbo. Back in the seats with us here, too, as well, too. So, look, everybody, keep following us out there at that hockey show. We appreciate your audience. We'll see you guys uh, listening to us, subscribing. Thank you so much. Follow us everywhere at that hockey show. Say hi to us on Twitter. We appreciate it. And until next week, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the games. And keep your head up. THS is out.